Game begin. Hello and welcome to episode 17 of the Spike Colony podcast, although maybe it should be called the Johnny Colony because I am here with a special guest host, the Crows and Tusker himself, Brian Kowal. Hello, I'm here. Uh, I'm your co- regular co-host, Lanny Huang. I'm the Phyrexian Rager. Card Advantage is the name of the pod today. Um, Mike is visiting his ancestral home of Cleveland to uh, search for his lost Mox Diamonds. So um, <laughs> The quest for Mox Diamonds? <laughs> yeah. Like right after he purchased three. Um, so perfect timing on his part. Uh, big week in pre-modern. The pre-modern European Championships just concluded. Congratulations to Pablo Suarez for taking it all down. Uh, BK and I were in a voice chat watching some of the coverage and uh yeah so i mean my first question to you bk is do you bolt the bird yeah i think you I, I mean we were arguing about that whether we should bolt the bird or not. i was i was gonna run it back and and try to figure out if that was if it if it does work out better for him if he doesn't um i, I bolt the bird i think um i think the the just the way i'll Elf mana usually works out, at least when I'm playing elves, is like if you get that gas pedal of a single ma- single extra mana on turn two, it like it just avalanches bigger. But uh, I think what do you bolt the bird? I don't bur- I don't bolt the bird. Uh, so for our listeners, the context is um, the win and in on coverage in game one. Martin Berlin using the burn deck uh, with uh, notably fire bolts uh, instead of um, other single mana red spells in the main up against Pablo Suarez, the elf master and eventual champion. Uh, Suarez opens up on forest land elf and Martin uh, immediately bolts that land elf. The follow-up is elf symbiote and Martin incinerates the symbiote. And uh, yeah, I've, I've been, I've been racking my brain trying to think about this play. I'm convinced that if your hand doesn't contain any creatures, um, cause we know that it basically ran out that it was clear that he didn't have any jackal pup. And of course he didn't have Mog fanatic because I'd be really on board with Mog fanatic targeting elf. Um, and your, you your hand. Be- yeah, Wait, yeah. That's better. You think? Yeah. Yeah. The mug. Cause if you think about it, the mog is like your mog, you're going to be cat like simple situation, right? I have, I have, a red creature with one power on the table and my opponent has a one toughness blocker. If I bolt the blocker with a bolt and attack for one, I'm like committed to using all my burn on creatures, right? Because I traded three damage for one damage. So the assumption is that my opponent's just never going to play a creature again, or else I just have to burn all of their creatures to get one damage each time. Whereas like if I mog the blocker and then I either hang onto the bolt or just bolt the face, um, you know, I'm being more damage efficient. So my belief is in a heuristic for your burn. If your burn hand doesn't present you with a controlling route, um, I mean, maybe there's an argument that uh, uh, Martin shouldn't keep a hand that doesn't have like Grim Lava Mancer or Pup or, you know, other good cards. So basically my thesis is he opened up his hand. He's staring down a bunch of burn spells. He ended the game with... um, 
he ended the game with with two fire blasts in hand um and uh pablo was at just enough life to hang on uh like he ended up having to because on the pivotal turn he had to fire blast a well-wisher basically to stay alive so my my old thesis is that if you open up your hand and it's all burned you can't outvalue a survival of the fittest unless you have a grim lava mancer and you can't um and, and because of that you can't just like point value spells right like lightning bolt is the most efficient burn spell in your deck next to fire blast um you can't just be wasting that card economy because you draw one card per turn and the elves player draws uh multiple cards per turn via survival fittest and then finally if you're pablo you're down to trade every finhorn elf and lanor elf in your deck for a lightning bolt right are you i, I don't i don't know um i'm pretty down because once the survival's on the table you have an unlimited supply we gotta ask pablo this i think he'd have a lot to say on this subject Okay, so by your rationale, okay, you said like you want you would want a pup in his opening hand, but isn't a pup just a even worse mock fanatic? Well, a pup conceivably get can, could conceivably get through with like a, like so for instance, if you firebolt and then get in with pup, you're like you're like equal, and then also yeah, not- you conceivably if you're just playing towards like a kill every creature, like a pup is a much more reasonable clock. You just need the pup to get in for um. You know, you need the pup to convert for like eight damage or so, which is like plausible. Um, but mm-hmm. but like you're like in this exact situation, if I have like pup bolt, um, then I'm actually considering just attacking with the pup to trade it for the elf and and hanging on to the bolt because that pup is very unlikely to convert for greater than three damage, and the bolt is always converts for three damage. And this is actually a very important thing that happened. In game three, where he ended the game with a lava dart and graveyard, or he on a pivotal turn, he had two pups in play, a lava dart and graveyard, and a curse scroll on the battlefield with a live activation. And so he curse scroll to clear the way for his two pups to get in. And I would argue on that turn, you just send the pups and let it trade for the straggler one one and just hold up your curse scroll activation and your lava dart. Um, because at that point, you're not going to cash in more than two attacks out of this um out of this jackal pup so you might as well just keep up your two damage at instant speed um and then obviously your you know your opponent can blunder and just not block the jackal pup i mean pablo wouldn't know yeah because he has to block yeah that's interesting because Um, you want to use your you want to so this was the turn that he untapped and played sharpshooter you want to convert you want to trade your pup for a creature at this point like at this mm -hmm. point in the game your opponent's at a low enough life total where like a creature is just very clunky um, and a burn spell is very valuable. Um, so I have more to say on that match. Uh, I don't know. Probably have to do like a YouTube video. I'm sure Mike has yeah. a lot of opinions. He he like we we have our we have our like Discord call and we're like chatting, and the game wraps up and Mike Mike phones phones me and I'm like I I ignore the call. I'm just like we're we're in a voice chat with me, you and Fran and Tom <laughs> Matelski. You just joined the voice chat and he joins the voice chat and he's like. I would have won from that position from my yeah, like, I never would have lost. I would have never lost. And then he just like explained what he would have. I was like, okay, well, what have you done differently? He's like, I don't know. I just would have won. <laughs> <laughs> I would have done everything differently. And I actually do think that you can win from Martin's position. And I think the the moral of the story is that Burn is not a brain dead deck. I, I think that match made it like extremely evident how intense the decision making 
you have to do with burn because it's like a match that you win or lose based on your decisions. And of course, the elves player has to play extremely well. People still think burn's a brain dead deck. I feel like that's been debunked enough times now. I mean, I I agree that it's been it's been debunked, but I'm just like uh you know for the people in the back right it's still not yeah <laughs> yeah yeah like <laughs> never was um continues not to be um meanwhile we've kicked off the fall brawl your boy lanny is three and one in the fall brawl how are you doing in the fall brawl bk i uh i've only played one match so far and i'm oh one currently um yep tough beats for bk we just yeah. finished our fall brawl match we've actually played in the fall brawl and spring spring fling uh, back to back now so uh, i won both times but you know i'm not keeping track um, yeah you're o2 o2 versus lanny he's got my number um bk of course uh, like a like a gentleman did not elect to choose a lanny destroying deck um because of some uh sub substituting he substituted some some spots if- if there even is such a thing. I mean, I, I guess we'll just say I'm just going to out you and Hoyp can decide what the punishment is, but you you knew the matchups oh. because you substituted somebody and it didn't occur to you that we even had deck reg, but um, shout, if you're out there and you haven't deck regged for the fall brawl and you're in the fall brawl, you do have to deck reg. There's a Google form in the Google sheet. BK gets a pass. He subbed in for somebody. He's had a busy weekend. You know, he's got life. He's running a sweet game shop that we all adore. Uh, you know, cut him yeah. some slack. Cut him some slack, okay? So I don't want to. I don't want. I don't want to see some hate mail heading BK's way. This week was really rough, people. <laughs> Especially rough. <laughs> I won't talk about it. It's rare to talk about magic. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, I think. Are we what? avoiding talking about what our decks are in the fall brawl? Uh, well, we, we can talk about. It. I mean, if you're down to leak, I'll leak my deck. Yeah, I don't really care. Okay, cool. I'm playing replenish. I'm just playing exact same seventy five as my uh, top eight replenish list from the last the New York tournament. Deck is still good. A, put two a little different. A horrible, oh, oh. <laughs> bad replenish. I don't know twenty four land. I'll put it this way: replenish with twenty four lands. Put two copies into the top eight of Euros. Um, replenish is a sweet deck, even if you don't make good choices. Like you don't have to play Mox Diamond. I'm not going to force you to play Mox Diamond, but for, for crying out loud. Play 26 lands. Play a Cephalid Coliseum. That land is a spell. Just do it. Thank me later. Uh, what are, are you playing? playing Cephalid Coliseum? Yeah, Cephalid Coliseum is my 26th land. 24th. Oh, you, 26th. You're, up to 26, you're up to 26 lands. Yeah, I'm, play, I'm playing 20, 26. Ooh, like, that's cool. Basically, I understand. Like, cutting careful study from the deck was a cool. I guess we'll just do a quick replenish tech tech. <clears throat> so. Players used to play Careful Study, or really just Mike, Michael J played Careful Study. And players would sometimes mix in. I had two Careful Study in my PSS list. And it became very clear very quickly that um, the Careful Studies are very awkward to cast on turn one if you need to hit a land drop because you can cast your enchantments and you can replenish your enchantments. And based on your hand, you might not know if you want to keep enchantments in hand. So cards like Attunement... Uh, intuition and frantic search uh, frantic search being of course zero mana uh, and instant speed allow you to like make your decision closer to your comp like let you collect as much information as you need before you go for anything so if you like activate attunement like you know if you need to hold enchantments or pitch enchantments based on whether or not you hit you you know are ready to replenish um, 
So uh, careful study is kind of bad. And then of course it sucks to go down. Like it sucks to just mulligan via careful study just so that you can hit a land drop, uh, you know, unless you have the whole shebang and you just like have a replenish and have soul lands, have everything you need. So anyways, careful study kind of awkward in the deck, but the deck is still full of four casting cost cards. So um, the, yeah. the like result is uh, you, you need to cast those sometimes and you get wastelanded sometimes. So yeah, highly suggest going up to 26, at least 25. If you cast a turn one careful say though, and you don't have lands, you're probably putting the ideal cards in your graveyard though, because now like you're gonna put lands in your graveyard, right? Yeah, yeah. So I'm just saying so you're just gonna be left with the business spells that are put your stuff together. Well, sometimes sometimes you don't need to. Um, you don't want to add it up. Like so, basically, like uh, if you're like game one in the dark. Like, if you're playing against a control deck, you would rather sequence by playing your enchantments and then playing Replenish, rather than just going for, like, a turn three, turn four, Replenish. So, that that's that's my reasoning. Yeah. Let's talk about the BK deck. The BK deck? Oh, yeah. I'm playing uh, I'm playing Red-Green Survival. It's, uh... It's basically just um, trying to go as hard on the Madness end of survival as possible get um lots of ruwalas airy worms and stuff into play preferably with a guy's cradle use that mana advantage and haste on the creatures to to press the other deck and we're in we're playing zero squee once again yeah still zero squee all right so soapbox for me why zero squee you're killing me you're killing us all um well if you're a madness survival deck and Cyberpunker, I hope you're listening to this. <laughs> if you're a Madness Survival Cyberpunker deck, runs four Squee, bro. <laughs> I know he does. Well, I, I'll explain why he runs four Squee and why it's it's different. Um, but if you're if you are if you have Survival in play, you you're getting Squee. You're usually wrong because if you and this also is boosted by the fact that I play Gaius Cradle, but if I always want to chain root walls before I do any squeeze in my deck because once if I'm if I'm going for the engine to, just to kill my opponent, I just want all the walls I I can get into play, and then advance that into arrogant worms, you know, or masticors or something like that, and then like I I'm, I'm trying to get all the mana I can into play and all the creatures I can into play so my cradles are the best, etc. So early you just want the madness creatures. Because that's where your advantage is coming from your survival. That's why your survival is good in the deck, is because you are playing madness creatures. And then later in the game, you would want that card advantage. But instead of that card, I have Genesis, which basically lets you rebuy any like good utility creatures that might be in the matchup. And also lets you bring back your madness creatures, which are again your best cards to use with your survival. So with survival, I don't need Squee. If I don't have survival, squeeze the worst card you can draw in your deck. It does absolutely nothing. I'd much rather draw a Genesis there because Genesis is actual card advantage engine. So if I go Wild Mongrel, discard a Genesis, I just keep recycling creatures that die and or even my Wild Mongrel back. So I don't know. That's my that's my take on why I don't play Squee because I just never, almost never, come into a position where I actually want to have it. Oh man, that makes you sound like a dare I say tempo player. It is a, it is somewhat of a tempo. I don't know if this is a 
It's a tempo based argument, tempo right? Deck. Yeah, I wouldn't call it a tempo deck. I mean, I it's like I don't think it's, it's, I don't think it's even tempo. tempo. I think it's more um, just going for your best lines of card advantage and efficiency. Yeah, I mean, it's. I guess it's interesting because conceivably, uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, if you look, it's it's just, it's a super interesting. Like, I I love the the point you make because the big difference Squee- is like squee. I would say like the opposite to this, right, is Squee in a deck like Hermit Fab, where oh. like where it's only like it's only about basically amassing, or sometimes it's it's you just need to go plus one card or plus two cards because you can get that extra mana source or get that extra combo combo piece. But uh, and and obviously people have been thinking about it as an auto include, but um, yeah, I guess um, if one creature is you know all you need is one creature in hand and a survival of the fittest to turn into four basking rules in play and you're playing a red green deck so you don't have infinite access to green mana so fitting a squee in there when you're already go get anger first and then go get um you know whatever yeah. like is is a little different story but the more green mana i have the more i still don't want squee yeah <laughs> because then i'm putting like even yeah at that point play. then you're just gonna do the yeah. genesis thing and then you're happy to genesis because yeah. you're not like uh i mean you just you just don't have a combo it's interesting i mean it's like nope just uh, uh what would elves it's super, do with, it's with super no good speed? against control um here's the thing i think that's the next thing i was going to say is i see people play survival decks all the time and they go get squee at they, they just autopilot into getting the squee right away yeah and it's often wrong like they'll get they'll like end a turn discard a creature get a squee you know and that's their last green mana. Like, yeah, that's yeah, like right. That's definitively bad, bad play. And even, even like, even if they get the squee the first time, if they don't have a good, I don't know. Like, squee is basically if you have survival in play, it's a card. It's basically pay one green mana each turn. Yeah, draw a card. card you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So if you don't need to be doing that, which is often the case with elves, I think. Like elves, there's a lot of situations where I just never get the squee and just kill them with because and because I didn't spend time doing that i just puke out everything that i need to win a lot faster because a lot of times with you we just even have like wirewood symbiote um your and multi's acolyte you're getting more than enough of your card advantage like multi's acolyte also draws a card for two green right? yeah i was just thinking that i was just kind of like well if you know by that logic you can just say that with survival and play acolyte is good enough um yeah to and to- and if they kill your survival and you have an acolyte and some you play, like you're still yeah, you're running, you're a lot you're still running train, you know. Well, yeah. food for thought. Honestly, um, I like the sound of it. I mean, obviously, you don't have root wall and elves, so it's different. Uh, speaking yeah. of elves, uh, I'm going to force you to address the number one question for every red green survival player: Is this deck a worse version of elves? Um. I don't think it is. Uh, it has. It doesn't have like. It doesn't lose. It doesn't lose as much against um, going after one toughness creatures as elves does, and it also doesn't. Um, it doesn't. It's not susceptible to stuff like engineer plague as much as elves is. Um, there's like. There's been matchups where because like, I think about this a lot when I play the deck. Is like, like if I was elves, would I've won there? If I, you know, what. And sometimes some games I I win because I was not elves. Like I definitely had matchups where it was. I like I like my rock matchup, and when I play elves, I don't like my rock matchup that much. Yeah, I mean, you know, I know a lot of I know a lot of elf players think they crush rock, but 
Yeah. Everybody, everybody does. I mean, this um, kind of, that's kind of about who your rock opponent is, you know? If your rock opponent yeah. is Michael J, and he's on his way to the uh, finals of the Lobster Con side event, then you're not in great shape. But uh, if your opponent is Michael J, and you're just like chilling at the testing table, you just always smash him with the helps. Yeah. <laughs> I don't actually know if we've played the matchup too much. I, I think a lot of, yeah, I think, I mean, I don't know. If Michael was here, he would probably be saying, yeah, I got, like, I got this. Because he sideboards, he's like, he's like all about his sideboard strat against elves where he uh, takes out all the discard and just, um, just plays the, plays the control game, complete control I, game. I, I feel like with all the rock builds I play, I, I never, I never feel super worried playing against elves. I don't know. I think if you play your, I think if you play your plagues as like elf sweeper spells, yeah, rather than, um, you know, a worship or whatever, you know. Yeah. You do know? you do you um do you board out your discard though? Uh, yeah, I do because like your answers are better than your discard a lot of the time. Um, it depends like how much hate I have for elves in my board. Like yeah. the less I have, let's the assume more four playing. plague, and then you can board up to four naturalized plus one tranquil domain. Yeah, then I'd probably and then random up. vendetta, smother, like whatever. Because mm-hmm. my attitude is that if you're like playing tangle wire elves, then you can like basically kill your opponent before they have access to three mana. Yeah, but that's if you that's if Tang- you have it tangle all. Wire, yeah. Tangleware, but a lot of people aren't even playing Tangleware anymore, right? Yeah, it's fallen out of favor. Um, I I got Tanglewired in, online recently. Um, I think somebody got Tanglewired in. Uh, somebody got Tanglewired at. Wait, hold on. Let me just let me just look. It's, it's definitely still played. Yeah, yeah. Pablo List has four Tanglewire. So the. Can the I- go- the the god of elves himself, Pablo Lanawar, says for for Tangle Wire. All right. Well, we're not going to cross him. Yeah, because <laughs> he's he's proven. Um, if I, if we can go back to Cyberpunker, just so he doesn't send me hate mail, I will say that his deck for Squee makes a lot of sense because, in my opinion, his deck is more a Squee deck than a survival deck. Because yeah, because it's like played... a six six mongrel deck. <laughs> oh, careful yeah, study, careful study, frantic also, search, right, yeah, right, right, he right, plays right. Tons of careful studies, tons of frantic searches, and your and your well. random foil, yeah. Okay. Okay. I love it. The thesis. I'm okay. I'm 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 a convert. I'm never play I'm never playing Squee and RG RG survival ever again. Uh um, I, mean, I think it's I think it's possible it's wrong in elves. I'm not even kidding. Like I like I almost think this The conversation is definitely making me feel like you could at least question it. And at the very least, yeah. I would consider sideboarding it out. I still play one in my elves deck though. Yeah, but I also play a Genesis main because I think like heavy mana with Genesis is a really big, uh, big angle to attack. Yeah, it's so interesting. I mean, I'm trying to think about how I normally win with elves, and like I just think that you, like, yeah, I don't know. Do you need to draw two cards per turn? Like, if the one card you draw <laughs> is just strange Charmit. Like, let's say you're, like, gassed out and your opponent has, like, random stuff on the table. It's like, okay, well, then you can just play Drain Charmin every turn. It's not the worst. How, your yeah, cradle's how often on. Are you like, how often are you like, you know what I could really use? A Howling Mine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh. No. Oh, okay. You heard it here first. Cut 
Squee from your elves deck. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. You don't need those training wheels. Um, do you have any reactions to Euros? What what it, what stood out to you about that tournament? It was wild, right? Like I just the the biggest thing is I look at the decks and I'm just like, wow, these are this is a really different pre-modern than we saw six months ago. And I don't think it's necessarily like, you know, the, the meta has coalesced into something, but it's really like, I just feel like people are trying more stuff out and, and just getting busy with some new lists, you know, and it's, it's kind of cool. So this, I mean, this is crazy to me because I don't feel great about, um, specifically Oath of Druids. Um, like I have, like, it, I love cards like Call the Herd, right? And yeah. uh, you know, I, I I love blue cards. You know, I like I like Gush and Korean Korean Dryad stuff. But I I mean, I guess I like Korean Dryad also gets pretty annoyed by Oath. Um, and now it feels like there are more Oath decks than there were Oath Parchvay decks. Uh, period. So now, like, I would say that, I mean, Parfait was up to, uh, you know, I mean, I guess it was up to 10%, like 10 pilots, 5%. It feels like we're at 10% Oath decks now. Uh, I'm just pulling these numbers out of my ass. So if you've done a metagame breakdown, I'm happy to hear about it. But like these Oath Terravore decks, one, they're really cool. I have a lot of respect for them. I think they, I think the, the design is really good. Like the whole, like just the basic concept of like, okay, we have this Oath monster. It's gigantic. Most decks can't deal with it, and we can cast it for three mana. It's so simple, but it's so like I don't know. It just kind of works. Um, it clicks, yeah. It's it's um it's a really efficient package. Like it's clear that uh, old TV Tyrant has been whittling away at this thing, you know, cutting a lot of the fat off of it and uh, making it a, a fine tuned machine. And I when I watch this deck, I'm like, wow, this is it's really like efficiently using its mana and pressuring the opponent a lot more than i was expecting yeah it kind of it kind of has a lot of bases covered for a deck that only runs green cards and artifacts right for sure like uh you can get a lot of work done with sphere resistance winner's grasp friction and port um etc um so uh that's really cool and then of course i am uh i'm pretty scared of uh oath polush the fran cataclysm oath deck because i'm like okay i'm not gonna play creatures okay i'm, I'm fine i won't trigger oath of druids i'll play a deck with no creatures but i would like to like play harrow and tap some thawing glaciers or cycle some crows and tuskers and have a lot of lands but actually i can't do that either because these decks are just going to cataclysm me um so uh ironically and I'm not saying that I'm I'm fine with the land tax ban, but ironically, the two things that people complain about about how oppressive Parfait was is like you can't play creatures and you can't play lands. You still can't play creatures and lands. Like you're just like you're still gonna get deadened and oath to oblivion. Like those cards are still legal. Yeah. And then um, wouldn't you rather be a player who plays lands that has to deal with cataclysm than land tax though? Uh, I mean. The the only you know what's way burying people more like I I I know what you're saying because like the idea is you're like oh I'm I'm gonna play this blue deck I play this blue deck which has a lot of lands in play I'm gonna play standstill well all these lands in play I'm just gonna counterspell the cataclysm 
that shit's not gonna happen anyways. Like you're just gonna get abanced, or you'll get um, you'll get all your blue sources rishit imported because your deck is still horrible. Uh, like all your all your blue sources are gonna get rishit imported and wastelanded, and then after after that, they're just gonna cataclysm you. And you, what are you gonna do? You're gonna play standstill. It's like they have four mishras for, or I guess if you're playing landy oath you have four mishras four factory or four treetop but uh you know treetop brawls with mishras so you can't even get land still advantage on them that's a very blue centric look at things i think <laughs> like obviously all this land destruction stuff is going to be like at its height against decks really leaning on their mana base and developing like a lot of lands to get get their business done right agree so what is like you, tell, tell me about the not blue deck that can defeat cataclysm oath and play a lot of lands on on its way to doing it mono red well mono red doesn't have to play lands right no no i'm saying like okay all right i i i get that yeah all right i'll but i, I feel like there has to be decks that play lands there, there isn't. There just isn't. It's just different. I'm, t- well, I'm, t- I'm telling you, your dead guy ills, your, your this girl, star spangled slaughter patriot angel make angel face deck, your dead guy ale, which made top eight. I mean, you're just gonna get cataclysmed. Like your enchantress deck is gonna get cataclysmed. Now we watch. And I'm just gonna attack with my exalted angel and still beat their, their terror. You're gonna beat a fifteen fifteen. It's not fifteen fifteen. How many times do they get to oath? You think I'm just running out twice. of a creature I can? That's a, <laughs> well, is the only creature is the only creature in your deck Exalted Angel though? No, it's also Lightning Angel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so your Lightning Angel is gonna trigger. That one's fine. And then here's the I'm thing: just... if you're if they're playing Green White, then they can just poop out an Exalted Angel, and you're just back at parity. I mean, I don't know. I agree. I would like to be the player with an Exalted Angel on the battlefield, but like, the if they just thing, like though... Cataclysm. And then, like, I don't know. I, yeah. I'm not sure their Terravore is beating me, though, if I'm on that deck. I mean, I think if I'm you... probably getting enough if you go, material into play. Yeah, I mean... It I guess just, they could just get to keep Oathing. Um, yeah, no, no. It, it has to be, like, Mother of Runes, Mage naming Oath. Right? So you gotta go Mom, Mage, name Oath. And then uh, you beat all the plows with your mom. Uh, and if they're on the play, or they're on the draw, actually... And they just go land mock diamond oath druids. Then you have to have the disenchant or annul that turn. It's just not pretty. Like oath druids is a messed up card. Like I think I think we can agree that the card is absurdly powerful. I don't enjoy against the creatures. Yeah, I don't enjoy the <laughs> prospect of of playing savannah lions against oath druids. And yet, despite this, despite what I feel is like the oppressive omnipresence of oath of druids two copies of savannah lion decks eight copies of savannah lions total made the top four of the european championships yeah, um sweet. both of these decks had uh, <laughs> uh had did they both have mom mage yeah, yeah they both had mom mage yeah, they did. so maybe yeah. maybe you're you're down to battle against oath if you have mom mage and you back it up with you know mana leak or enlightened tutor for seal cleansing or board in, uh, you know, some disenchant ray of revelation. Um, well, their their plows aren't doing anything either. So, like, if they play against that terror deck, they're going with a terror. Like, 
every plow they have is just a turn, you know. I mean, I guess they gain a zillion life, though. I don't know what happens. Yeah, I would probably ice, not. Ice it. I would probably, uh, I would probably do the following. I would tap my Ramosian Sergeant, and then I would go get Whip Quarter, and then I would tap that Terravore, <laughs> and then they would find another Terravore. I mean, the oath just can't be on the table, but it just sounds like they didn't have a problem yeah. keeping the oath off the table. Um, and uh, I don't know if you're if you're Jacob Paulson, you can just uh, get in there with your Solteri Priest, um, and. Uh, we saw in the mirror uh, an exalted angel being successfully defeated by the presence of uh, Alpha Strike plus blow up my own. I don't know. It was a whole thing. Lightning Bolt, basically. Lightning Bolt won the day for the White Weenie Mirror. Um, so, uh, yeah, elves, uh, two White Weenie decks. Uh, one's a five color one, one's a uh, blue white landstill based one, standstill based one, rather. Better. Uh, which one do I like better? I, I like the one that contains the card Mock Simon better. What about you? <laughs> um, I think I did too. I, th I thought that was a really cool list. I mean... Uh, it had a lot of versatility. had a lot of just like universal answers to a lot of different things. So. I mean, the curve ends at, um, ends at two. Uh, I don't love yeah. these Enlightened Tutors, but, you know, maybe it's fine. But um, uh, the curve ends at two. So you get to play Gemstone Mine, Undiscovered Paradise, and Wasteland, and um, I, I I think that's super sick. Like um, you know, talk about tempo. Just you know, land Mox Diamond, Dorks, Wasteland you on the play yeah. seems pretty sick. Um, even on the draw, I'll take it. Um, I mean, being able to Wasteland on turn one while still developing your board on the draw via Mox Diamond. I mean, that's card disadvantage like to death, but um. You know your your curve your curve stops it too, so <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what, right? You just you're just trying to get your beats down and then stop them from winning. Like that's a that's a basic concept of it. You know, yeah. like, here, here's my clock. I think I think the e tutors are are kind of good here when I look at it because it's get you, when you play these aggro decks like the thing you lose to a lot are just like narrow answers, right? So like if you're willing to always trade two cards for those narrow answers because they often don't have a lot of them because a lot of times like combo decks and stuff are are working at a big card at disadvantage, right? Yeah, I mean you you are sort of priced into e tutor for your one copy of seal cleansing and then you can answer one oath and often that's good enough. The mono green deck can't find its oaths except for a Sylvan Library. Same same for the green white deck. Uh, depending on how many Lightning tutors are in their deck. And then sometimes they don't have the time to cast two O's before they're dead. So, um, yeah, it's, I mean, uh, it's hard to imagine this beating, like, I mean, I don't know. I guess maybe this does beat, like, because, okay, name a deck, rock, name a deck, yeah, it, it doesn't beat the rock. Well, I don't it know, maybe you get Wastelanded, okay, hear me out. No. Wasteland you, mage naming, uh, Let's say Mother of Maroons, Mage Naming Deed, Wasteland You. That's a that's that's a fix, yeah. Yeah. Mage Mage into um Mage into or Mother of Runes and a Mage was like always awesome against yeah. Rock. But Mage Mage solo mage it, or two mages on naming deed is gonna be pretty good. It does have popular rock backbreaking bone crusher Exalted itself, Angel. Exalted Angel. Yeah. yeah. 
one in the uh, one in the main one in the board just to get you um the i I made the joke when i saw their deck that it was basically this girl (laughs) yeah yeah. i mean it's running the same car it's got two fire eyes two fire eyes mom mage one Uh exalted angels four silver knight um they just they just canned the lightning angels in favor of savannah lions and they're just like instead of casting lightning angel how about wasteland you know how about um I mean, I have a five color this girl deck. Do you know about my five color this girl deck? No. I'm like three weeks into, three weeks into playing pre modern or something like that, or like maybe a month, and I made a mox diamond five color this girl deck, and my beaters were anorid brush hopper and lightning angel, um, <laughs> but it was a gush, it was a gush diamond deck. So I ran four Ooh. strand, four strand and eight islands in my five color deck, and it was sweet. And you say you're a spike. Come on. <laughs> I, I, I build some horrible decks. There's um, severe jo- Johnny energy out of that. I, I mean, I, I'm like, I like, you should see my deck file. They're all, they're all Johnny decks. I mean, just look at my, look at my PSS lineup. Like, you know, I, I don't, I mean, like uh, parfait is obviously not a, not a Johnny deck really. But like it was pretty spiky. I'm not gonna give you this one. <laughs> um, but like you know, freaking Grotog and and Mox Diamond Replenish. I mean Mox. I mean Replenish is obviously like. I mean I don't know. I think Replenish is a super powerful deck. I'm very happy to see two copies in the top eight. I'm very unhappy to see it lose to to Pablo in the in the round of eight. We put our predictions in. And I'm like, well, Replenish ourselves, so it's fine. Like literally, like you know, Pablo. Fluffy's Fluffy's out there, and he's just like. No, no changes. You don't sideboard a single card in for elves, and yet, I mean, four tangle wire is is going to be really good against replenish, though. If you don't yeah. draw frantic search, but if you draw frantic search, then it's not that good. But if you have four tangle wire and some amount of crits, then you might be good. Yeah, it puts pressure. You'd have to have that though, which yeah. is something you wouldn't have otherwise. We have no crits in the sideboard of um, Pablo's elf deck, which is. Pretty wild. So just getting it done with Nationalize, I suppose. Um, yeah, I mean, say what you will about Oath of Druids, Goblin Lackey, and Phyrexian Dreadnought. None of those cards in the top eight of Euros. Is this like, I mean, is this variance? Is it these decks aren't that good? Are we going to just rag on all the pre- uh, all the European goblins Euro- dreadnought and oath players and just say that they suck <laughs> europeans uh they just kind of don't understand <laughs> they don't understand oath the druids you know they're they're more they're more well this is ironic because just two weeks ago i was saying the europeans have our number as far as elves players because they have ole pablo and you know plenty of others like fluffy etc and we just you know Shout out Mike Arnold. <laughs> uh, shout out Mike Arnold and John Guzina and uh, Jeff White. Jeff himself just put up a blog post and he was like, well, I needed reps on the deck. I still need to, I'm still learning the deck. So um, yeah, they're really I out always, there. I always almost play elves. I play in a lot of elves. I actually, I know the lines pretty well. I just never want to, <laughs> I just always want to like play some dumb brew instead. Yeah. Yeah. You just, yeah. You want to have fun. I think. Yeah. So uh, to the listeners elves, at home, elves is pretty fun though. B- BK, as far as oh, I mean, elves is super fun. I love playing elves. In fact, the only thing that I don't like about playing elves is losing sometimes to opponents who like I don't know have any form of resistance. 
uh, or, you know, have like too much resistance. Like if they have like 17 engineer, I guess I don't know. No, there's no downside. Like- I never lose with the deck either. I mean, I like lose a match here or there, but I like, you know, in my brain, I'm just like, I never lose. I'm just like, damn, this deck's gas. I think it. Uh, I think it has a rough time with the best decks in the format. It has a rough like, time with just goblins. Yeah, it. I mean, it has a really rough time. Goblins is the worst, but it doesn't. It's not. It's no walk in the park against even like blue white control. Honestly, that's true. It, it's not. They're, it's not a buy versus. Favored, but they're favored for sure. Yeah. Like. Well, I also feel like I'm. Mike gets the... back here. I'll tell you differently, but like they're definitely <laughs> favored against blue white. Oh yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll put it this way. Like, I have some decks that I generally consider that, like, if I'm the the stronger player, the more prepared and the more astute player at the table, um, those decks will never let me down. And I think Elves is one of them. So if my opposing Landstill opponent is very sharp, then, you know, sure, they've got a shot. But, like... If my opponent makes any mistakes, elves is just an extraordinary, like just yeah. very punishing. I mean, generally speaking, Elf, it's not even making a mistake. It's just it has like the oops, I win. Yeah, and then sometimes they die. Yeah, it's like it's better than any deck in the format. Where like you have some draws that no matter what they're playing, they're gonna lose. Yeah, and that's a big draw for the deck. Yeah, and this is actually interesting. I'm gonna tie this back into the discussion about um the burn the the bolt the bird thing because uh one of the biggest reasons you would bolt the land war elf on turn one is if your opponent has Gaia's cradle the next turn uh then it's like an enormous punish to not bolt the land or elf mm-hmm. but in order to convert the guy's cradle for value they need like a mana payoff and that mana payoff would would be the, would be survival of the fittest and does it really matter what you do if your elves opponent has cradle survival in their opening hand like does it really matter like if yeah like it it does because you can still slow them down, right? Well, you're but you're gonna you can't slow them down forever. You draw like again, you draw one card per turn, then they draw two. And if you're the burn yeah. player, your cards better be, you know, yeah. all lava Grimlavamancer is like kind of the the real thing you need. Yeah, but Grimlavamancer is at parity with the Survival of Fittest, and that's only until they have access to Masticore. Um. So, uh, yeah, it's an interesting spot, and then. Uh, one other super interesting spot was, uh, oh geez, I'm just obsessed with this match. Go go check it out on the Twitch VOD. Yeah. I am gonna I'm gonna do a deep dive. There's a there's a turn where Pablo plays a Wellwisher Summoning Sick, um, and Martin has a scroll for lands that Lava Dart's still in his graveyard. Um, so everything's like. I don't know. Uh, maybe he didn't have the scroll. Maybe it was like the turn before the scroll. But I was like, surely he's going to cash this Lava Dart in for that Wellwisher. Uh, but he incinerates the Wellwisher and saves the Lava Dart. So this was like two turns before the Jackal Pup turn I was telling you about. And I'm just thinking to myself, I think the best play is to incinerate the face uh, and then tap that mountain one more time to do something, curse scroll or whatever. I mean, I don't know, play a creature, play, play a bolt and hit the face and then use it for the Lava Dart before the summoning sick well-wisher becomes unsummoning sick because if you bolt if you incinerate the well-wisher then it gained three life that it already yeah. did the thing is uh is is does he need four mountains to double fire blast is he molding to that you think it's not impossible but if that line even, gets cut even off then, 
Yeah, because even then you're trading the then you're yeah then you're incinerating right then your incinerate yeah. plus lava dart is four damage or your fire blast is four damage. So like wow, yeah, Martin's a buffoon. <laughs> <laughs> but the, we trust this guy with our format. <laughs> just kidding, just kidding, Martin. Just kidding, just kidding. Don't ban. No, Quest I, I thought I thought I thought Martin played really well, and a lot of his all his plays were like very defensible at the very least, you know, and maybe even. And maybe even were the correct. I, I think it, there's a whole bunch of nuance, and we can see. I guess we can see their hands, but like, like I think there's. I there's think a I'll lot say of permutations that could be different. Yeah, know, exactly. Like I the, mean, actually, the the, it's important given the given the context of Martin's hand. He could be playing towards. He could be playing towards a line that we don't see with no knowledge of either player's hands. But um, I do think that the two plays, which I do think are are debatable. Is incinerating that well wisher? Um, or mm -hmm. right, okay, let's let's I, actually every play I've talked about, um, a, burning stuff something before attacking with jackal pup, bolting the land of war, and incinerating the well wisher. I think these are all um, autopilot plays. Like these are plays that you just think are correct without thinking about them further. And I think once you start considering what uh you know what your hand is and, and like what what could happen in the matchup and what you need to do in order to win the game, right? So uh, bolting the the Lana War is like a tactical play. It's a it's a tactic that we've all all rehearsed is just bolt the bird, yeah. right? And but the... do, does it factor into a strategy if your hand is all bolts and you're gonna you need you need seven bolts. You can't win with six bolts, right? So if you're bolting right. every single time you use a bolt on a creature, you're you're reducing your ability to win by one turn. So they just you know they just time walked you, right? And like, if if elves gets time walk, who's gonna win? Like, who has basically? If I were to put it in very very broad terms, the elf player uh, improves exponentially, um, whereas the burn player can only improve linearly. Their draw step can only, on average, draw them three damage worth of of gas. Unless they get a ball lightning. Unless they or, get a ball uh, lightning or a lava mancer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so. Uh, yeah, and then, I mean, and again, like uh, the elves player actually has an endpoint, right? Because the moment that they have an active well wisher with untappers, or they have a master core, then all of a sudden it just doesn't matter what you draw. So, um, yeah, especially if they get anger in the yard. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So you don't beat. I mean, you just don't beat a survival. I mean, Martin doesn't know that Pablo uh, doesn't have survival, but I would say that if Pablo kept seven cards, I would assume that survival of the fittest is in those seven cards, because. When the elves players were on Mano's podcast, um, you know they explained it quite simply. It's like you can be burn, you need to have survival, and I think Pablo knows this. And survival is what makes what makes it possible for elves. I think so. Um, but yeah, super interesting. Um, so with euros in the in the bag, I mean, this is like always a funny discussion. I'm, so this is what, like, this is what tends to happen on this podcast. Um, Michael J is like, there's no way this deck can beat that deck. And, uh, sometimes it's like in line with every, what everybody thinks. Uh, sometimes it's like a hot take and, uh, based on like, you know, MJF doesn't really have a tier list. He just has like, these are good decks. These are bad decks. And like, there's just like no texture, right? It's just kind of like, uh, well, why do I need to look at what people are playing? I just know which decks play. You know, I just think about which decks play. And I think that's super interesting. But I think 
the listeners would love a little bit of tier list discussion. So, um, Euros. Oh, and this is this has always been avoided in, in these parts. Oh, you you also tier, don't like this discussion? List. No, 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 no. Oh. I'm just I'm, I'm curious about this. When he says this deck always beats this other deck, do you ever like pause the podcast and play it out a little bit? Quick break. Just like quick break. Just assume. Yeah, quick break. Michael J actually defeated me ten times in a row with goblins versus yeah. elves, so he is right. <laughs> Because I had to take his word for it. He's like, we tested the matchup for three hours, and I didn't win a single game. And I'm just like, I don't know. Do you suck? Does your opponent rule? Like, did you get unlucky ten times in a row? Like, we tested the Goblins versus Replenish matchup. Or actually, what we did was, like, we tested Goblins versus Grotog. And, like, you know, we played, we split, like, four game ones or something. And I was like, see, it's not as, it's not as lopsided as you think. And then... Um, we like discussed it a little bit more and I'm just like, well, honestly, if you just do things a little bit differently, you, you can probably never lose from the goblin side. And he's like, oh, well, once I know that the goblins never beats the goblins, <laughs> never loses a grow talk. I'm like, well, some of my goblins opponents won't know how to play. Like I've beat goblins with grow talk, uh, twice in, you know, deep in the fall brawl or deep in the spring spring this year and like online and, and stuff, which is like, you know, I, I have a handle on a matchup and my opponent doesn't like, that's just, that's just the deal. Um, so uh, yeah, and then, and then what would happen? I mean, we talked about this. Landy Hoth had a great landstill matchup, and then they played it to the point that Michael J uh, figured out what to do on the landstill side, and then Landy Hoth stopped winning. And then, uh, you know, Land was just like, well, quite simply put, nobody's going to have these reps because my deck is new, and uh, you know, this is, I'm still I'm still going to count it as like advantage, Landy Hoth. And Michael J is, of course, just like, well, Lance still can never lose. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's definitively a poor matchup. Yeah, he uh, he deals in absolutes, you know. <laughs> I like it. It's so. good content. We're all we're all enjoying the uh, we're all enjoying the the Michael J is. I love it. It's uh, your podcast is great because it's it's really like. Like kind of like you're kind of like more like new think on on how a lot of this stuff works and he's got like an older yeah like, yeah it's a it's it. that it's, it's do really, you know that meme from Knives Out which is just that like it just doesn't make any sense it compels me though <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like that's just that's just our listeners just like you know hot take and then and then the response is it doesn't make any sense just like that it compels me and it's just it's just kind of like uh. Uh, actually Robin said my favorite thing which is that he he like listens he like listens to the podcast on the treadmill or or while he's at the gym whatever and it gets him all fired up for his workout and then like so so Michael J like fires him up and then I like cool him off because I like you know I bring in the voice you're, of reason you're starting to distort and stuff yeah I, that one is a connection issue um, okay but it's safe on my side because all the audio is localized here uh, okay. um, Sorry about that. but yeah so uh I mean, do you think that we honestly could be living in a world where Dreadnought, Goblins, and Oath decks are have to share have to share the throne with Savannah Lions, Replenish, Enchantress, which top aided here, second place in Misty, and uh, top four in New York. Uh, so Enchantress is back, baby. Um, you know, and I, I mean, surely I not like, a deck containing basic swamps, right? Surely not. Yeah, 
basic swamps are still having a rough time. Uh, I think like Replenish was one of those decks that was played a lot more in Europe than over here, and there just weren't a lot of like pilots getting behind Replenish in the in the U.S. tournaments. But I think that's always been like a really good deck. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it's obviously been good since Michael J's top four, and um, you know, I don't know how I feel about Sinbad. I I do know how I feel about Sinbad. Oh, I meant I meant Enchantress, not Replenish. Oh, okay, but yeah, that's fine. They're they're similar. They're both similar, I think. Both of them were not played that much, and then once they got played, they started doing well. You know. Yeah, Enchantress was not very good against Parfait because they could oh, never stick an Enchantress, and then um, Parfait oh, just runs that... infinite seal cleansing, and Armageddon's really good. I heard it was a terrible matchup for Parfait. Interesting. I assume that Rich never loses from the Parfait side. Yeah, but we can't count that. Um, if the Parfait... <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> um, I guess the way that I see it, Oath keeps Argothian off the table. And then you're just like a Ray of Revelation deck, and in some cases you're an Aura Silence deck. Um, but uh, I could... I mean, I don't know. Barring that, a little bit of Sterling Go- Grove action could go a long way in that department. But it does feel like Enchantress can't afford not to trigger land tax can't afford not to trigger oath for the most part right because you need two enchantress yeah. in play to be doing anything and then well, they don't have to play an enchantress either though they can just use enchantress's presence and go off with that but that's 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 my point is that they need to go off with two copies of enchantress presence so they need to have grove presence presence underneath land tax uh you know any number of seal of cleansing ray of revelation or of silence um, I mean, of course, you can just play the Argothian and just have it in play until the Oath hits play. So it's not like the worst. Uh, but yeah, maybe it was just held down by uh, the Enchantress players are the players that used to play Parfait. <laughs> maybe it's kind of it sounds it sounds familiar. You know, I want to <laughs> drop a bunch of enchantments into play. Oh wait, this this deck over here just drops a lot of artifacts and enchantments into play. I could do that too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's got a sick card advantage engine. It's got prison elements. Um, many would call it parfait at home. Uh, Rich, of course, is brewing up his own parfait at home. Uh, so that's been fun to follow. But, um, uh, but yeah, you know, I'm dubious though. Uh, BK best deck in the format. Go, no hesitation. I think goblins. Goblins is still the best. Yes. I think I was saying this earlier in the in the super secret discord, but I, I think it's just like the fact that it presents a clock and does like powerful things and um, it's so good against other creature decks. And then when it sideboards that it has a lot, a lot of these generic answers that are super good um, and, and still has that clock, it puts a lot of pressure on the most decks and like kind of beats the fringe stuff after board. Yeah, so. it's got a good proactive game plan. And then it falls back on a good sort of like grindy game, like pivot has access to a lot of tools, which is surprising for a deck that only makes red or green mana. Um, But it comes out strong against the decks that are really strong, right? Yeah. Like have classically been really strong, you know, like blue white landstill or goblin or elves or I'm hearing a lot of respect for landstill on this podcast. Do you care to elaborate? Oh, landstill's good. Oh. You don't like Landstill? I, I know you don't like Landstill. I hate Landstill. Um, 
<laughs> I'm not a huge. I'm. You know what? I I I can't say I'm like huge in the land still either though, but I do respect it. I think it's it's kind of like just one of those decks that does its job. Honestly, well. Landstill could use yeah. a little BK Coastal Tower action for me to get behind it. Like, just play four Coastal Tower. Just do it. I I do. Whenever I build a Landstill deck, I do put four Coastal Towers in. Yeah, I'm down for I a think. Lonely Sandbar in there as well, of course. I remember when Caleb first started playing the format. He was like, "Why don't why aren't people playing Coastal Tower?" Yeah. <laughs> like he was immediately like, yeah, "Like, put four into yeah, duh, yeah, Landstill. Like, yeah. why not?" Why not draw the correct mana to cast your spells? I, I mean, that's what I'm saying. I was like, uh, they're like, oh, you're, we're just gonna hold back with counter spells, and then, um, and then it was like, uh, okay, well, you, you need you 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 to double counter spell, you know, abandon Armageddon or like abandon replenish. So like, yeah. do you have you 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 <laughs> like like um, on, on turn five or six? It's like probably not. The um, reason, the reason I think Lancel is really good is because against the field, it's one of the best decks. You know, like if you if you walk in and there's like you know five different combo decks in the room, and you know people doing God knows what, you know, which is very common in pre-modern. Like even if you go to a pre-modern event and you're just you're ready for those best four decks in the format, which is like how how people prepare for Magic tournaments nowadays, because in regular constructed formats that is it that is the reality you're gonna play against four four different decks for the most part you're gonna get slaughtered yeah because there's that that top tier is only like seven out of the 30 decks in the room yeah i mean it's so interesting because dreadnought is one of those like hilarious decks that just like put half the decks to bed just like no shot and then it loses to freaking white weenie which i love like like Dreadnought is like pretty bad against like any like well it's bad against Savannah Alliance. It's bad against Sotari Priest wielding a Rancor. <laughs> um uh there's been a VOD of um uh Fran in the early days with the blue white dreadnought and he's like uh, so for <laughs> so I don't I don't know if you even you know the story. So for obvi- for uh, for for the first like I don't know. I want to say two months of Fran brewing and playing Blue White Dreadnought. It was freaking Disneyland for him. He just never lost. And then <laughs> he lost one match. It I, it was probably like the only match that he actually lost. <laughs> like, I, I don't know. I mean, it's not like he was 19 and one, but he was like, you know, 25 and four or something. Um, and it was one of those like, well, three of those losses like he was just kind of like it was close right but the only match that wasn't close at all was rancor sultari priest and he was like well i guess i can never beat this deck <laughs> and people would just be like oh fran you know what what are um what are some good and bad matchups for blue white dreadnought and he's like well good matchup is everything and bad matchup is white white weenie <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> like that's your answer um and Man, when when Dreadnought first like really dropped, and then everybody was playing it, so, well, out of nowhere, just everybody was playing Dreadnought. Uh, Lester Sperling was like, everybody was on Donald Blue because Blue White wasn't out there. I'm like, I don't know, just put four Metal Mage in, you'll probably win all the mirrors. Yep. And he's like, 
Yeah, I don't want to figure out the meta. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he just played Mono Blue. Four Flood Strand, four Anarchar Wings. It was, yeah, literally, I like, told him what to do. Like, what Fred basically, they, they just, he just put, like, four Meddlings in it. <laughs> yeah. Lester Smurling has been stirring the, sp- Smurling the pot. He's been stirring the pot um, on the pre modern Facebook saying, Goblins is a horribly misbuilt deck. Do you have, do you share this opinion? Uh, no, I don't. I think it's pretty well built overall. I do. I'm, I, I do agree with him on pile driver. I don't. I Two pile driver, drivers. I play one. 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 What if you need an attack with two pile drivers? What if they have one blocker and you have two pile when, drivers? When do you have to do that? When like, they cast Terravore. <laughs> when they oath out a Terravore. You're like, okay, you've got a Terravore. I have two pile drivers. GG. I guess. I guess that's a situation you would you would want to. I mean, this I goes know, for like, any two power creature. Like, if if your opponent casts Call of the Herd and you have goblin pile driver then you can't attack with that goblin pile driver especially if it's your only one <laughs> like for a while yeah I, mean, I i build my deck to like be a way to not just like either they, if they don't have blockers pile driver is great he's like a really fast clock and kills them and then you go get your one and kill them really fast yeah but if they're they're assembling blockers like call the herds and stuff you really want to set you really want to go like if, in your situation i would get my sharpshooter and I attack with all my two power goblins, and you would yeah. block and. I'm take I'm good with damage. Goblin King. I like Goblin King as a way to to layer in some extra damage. I don't like Goblin Tinker or main deck. Um, I don't like that either. I like uh, Sharpshooter's the best. I'm down with Sharpshooter, but I don't know. I, I, so two Sharpshooter, think, one Pile Driver, and BK BK Gobos. Yeah, that's disgusting. It's great. Um, I mean. I, play I guess if both I, sharpshooters I are in play, it's pretty sick. Also, I play for a siege gang though, because like I don't I, we're a four siege gang don't, podcast. Okay? Why don't people we're, want for? No, we're we're four siege. We're four siege like, gang. In this house, we yeah. play four siege. We're, we don't even have to debate this. Play four siege gang commander. I mean, Three siege gang commander is bad. Four siege gang commander rules. Play ancient tomb. Mike's, Mike's taught it. Talked at length about. BK's three gears of goblins, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> One of but, the gears uh, is the, the fourth first... copy of Siege King Commander. Well, it that's the first gear, honestly. Yeah, yeah, it's lackey like, Siege King. Your first yeah. gear is just connecting with a lackey, and your second gear is um, I don't know, I don't remember those gears now. <laughs> you just forgot, dude. The second gear is Goblin Ringleader. Yeah, the second, the second. The second gear is matrons and ringleaders and card advantage your opponent out. And the last gear is to sit there. <laughs> and sometimes if it's an oath, you have to sit there until you assemble in your hand a one turn kill. And if it's not an oath, you sit there and add goblins to the board until you kill them with sharpshooter. Yeah, sharpshooter, and, sharpshooter siege gang combo. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm down for freaking so, goblin sledder then. I like. I don't hate a s- sledders. Slutter's kind of sweet. I mean, if your plan Slutter's, is to attack, Slutter's a worse is a worse prospector though. No, Slutter's Slutter's good because you just get an extra damage if you're attacking with five goblins. I've totally considered a Slutter before. I've had it in and out of my list, but I think it's like just not quite good enough. I mean, I don't even like. I know that people love Prospector, and I've seen what it can do, and I've sacrificed some some of my goblins to Goblin Prospector plenty of times, but I don't. 
Like, I don't love it. Prospector I, is Disciple of Vault. Prospector is, if I have a Prospector and a CJ Commander and some other goblins, you're just dead. So, and if you have a Sharpshooter, you're really dead. You're just absolutely dead, and I never have to attack you. Yeah. But do you have to play three or one? You have to play three. Yeah. What about Mog Fanatic? Do you have to play okay, less Mog Fanatic? You got, you got these baboons like, you know, Mike Flores who think that you play the Prospector and then you sack it and play your Warchief to get a turn two Warchief. We used and to do it in Standard. That's that's what that's what he says. for babies. I don't know. I, don't, I never... <laughs> it's a pretty bad play. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you guys think Mox Diamond is card disadvantage. Let me tell you about Lotus Petal. <laughs> I only make that play if I'm playing against, like, all in combo, you know, where I well, you also I don't have to. multiple pile drivers to follow that play up with. Yeah, I only you only have, have one copy. I only have five because I have four. No, you have turn. to play in your scenario where you're you're sandbagging stuff against an oath. One, you need multiple war chiefs because a single plow stops that plan, and that's super bad. Of course, they might just oath out a terror war, which doesn't matter. But if they oath out a shard phoenix, then then it's super bad. But um. Uh, sometimes they can oath out are nothing they, if it's the top four. How are they the uh, Oh, you're going to send and then sack? No, how are they? No, I'm going to kill them. Well, no, if they, plow, if they plow your war chiefs, then, then your team loses haste. That's what I'm saying. So they, they oh, okay. can stop that. Like, if my goblin's opponent has seven cards in hand, I'm going to be holding back every copy of Swords of Plowshares. I'm going to play right. Swords of Plowshares. So you're specifically chiefs. playing Fran, Pavlushix, and you pronounce his name wrong all the time Fran okay cal calm down <laughs> calm down with the it's green white it's it's whatever what? i want it's palu okay it's palush pavlushek no it's pa I'm teaching you palush. teaching you live how to do this um, this is fran love right here are you polish <laughs> uh yeah oh, okay Co koval yeah oh is it koval Cavall, yeah. Oh, okay. Fine. Paul Vlushek. It's been a, um, Americanized enough that... I mean, Fr I mean, Fran doesn't even pronounce his own name correctly. He had to ask uh, Piotr Glogowski. Glogowski. Oh, really? Yeah. He didn't pronounce it correctly until he met... Until he met Canister. Yeah. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. I mean, did the Poles invade Argentina? Like, I don't even know why he has a Polish last name. I don't either. Okay, we'll have to ask him. Did. They probably did. I mean, I mean, I asked that question to I asked the question to Mike. I'm like, Mike, if you're Filipino, why is your last name Flores? And he's like, Well, have you ever heard of colonialism? And I was like, <laughs> I don't know. The Spanish invaded the Philippines. Like that. That's none, neither of those countries are on this continent, so you don't learn about it in school. <laughs> like, like yeah, the, the the Spaniards came from Mexico. I didn't know they were heading to other places too. And he's like, Yeah, you know, like. Is is yeah. Anyways, Flores. Um, so uh, no, I mean I think Green White Oath is just more popular because before Fran was playing it, it was like a Patrick Burt deck, and then even before that, it was like you know a dumb like Phantom Neshoba deck. So mm -hmm. I think that Fran's deck is gonna rise to the top of the Terravore Oath heap. I I love the Mono Green version for how like you know consistent it is, and, and you know it just does its thing, but uh, I do like just playing four copies of Cataclysm instead of playing eight copies of Stone Rain um, mm -hmm. because the deck 
like the green deck runs almost no card advantage. It just has Sylvan Library. If you would believe it, TV Tyrant was running, running Miri's Guile before Sylvan Library. Um, I never understand Miri's Guile on any list. It just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, I don't. I mean, it's wrong. They play, play four. It. They play four or Sylvan Libraries, all right? Or is that not? I would hope so if I'm playing Mono Green, but um, I guess I don't know for sure. But uh, uh, I gotta check now. But anyways, you don't play a lot of card advantage. Two. So natural card advantage in the form of Cataclysm uh, is. I think a lot better than still just like one one for winning because as we all know the uh you know i'm talking to the godfather of ponza here the best way to beat a ponza deck is to just draw a lot of lands you know it's which true. which you, you know for. honestly um if you want the origin story of ponza i there were other land destruction decks out there and they weren't good and my idea with ponza was to use it as a tempo play like the idea was that the stone rain sets my opponent back one land, and then I am casting a stronger spell each turn. Then they're they're battling to catch up because they, when I stone rain you turn three, on my turn four I have four mana. You only have. I mean, we love three, tempo on this know? podcast. I'm 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 full on. I yeah, think I it's, think it's tempo. <laughs> I think consistently. I mean, so I don't know. I I've been. I've been dwelling on this recently, uh, and we talked about it. We were uh, so uh, Tom was in our our chat watching Pablo versus Martin, and we we're like, uh, "Do you have to be on on the play here as Burn?" Like, uh, his question was, "Does Burn want to be on the play here?" And our response was, "Burn wants elves to not be on the play." Uh, yeah, because I was there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because uh let's talk about a game that lasts four turns <laughs> the, the elves player the elves player plays land uh you know plays some spells the the, the non-elves player plays land plays some spells that goes back and forth so the elves player has access to one plus two plus three plus four mana barring Gaius cradles and mana elves um obviously it's actually one plus three plus a hundred but um uh conceivably you could have spent 10 mana casting spells and obviously in the elf's case you could have spent a thousand mana casting spells you could have spent 10 mana casting spells while your opponent has cast has spent six mana casting spells this is like the same with a replenish deck right so like the replenish deck on the play like this is why i added mox diamond to it because i was just kind of like okay okay turn one soul land mox diamond i had three mana the next turn i had four mana and the next turn i had you know six mana or five mana frantic search or whatever like i've produced like you know 14 mana before you've made six like that's tempo and then you're dead but um you understood it as it's as the all-in combo deck that it actually is uh yeah you, i mean you shoot all all gears possible to well, just just gear into a very fast replenish combo i mean conceivably like i didn't sacrifice much to do it like the card that i cut yeah. from the main deck is seal of cleansing i was like okay well this card is just like a half measure and we don't do half measures in spike colony we're all in all the time okay that makes sense uh, um uh and um and sometimes you get a you flip a turn to exalted angel and you and still then you lose, lose <laughs> to a red green deck <laughs> yeah i was on the draw so that made that was my one my one game win <laughs> yeah i i i turned to i was like okay i got this turn to exalted angel 
uh you have the anger naturally right you just like did like wild mongrel pitch anger to it. yeah okay so you play three instead of squee just play a bunch of anger and if you get your anger scripted you just go grab another anger brian koval is always angry when he's playing red green survival so much anger love to see it um so uh anyways that's tempo so basically in the ponza you know the ponza things like play something i mean we weren't playing spells on turn one and two back in back in this day correct me if i'm wrong spells on turn one or two not very popular less popular less popular i mean mono red decks did but we also had a really good mono red matchup because we we killed they played way too few lands and we killed one of their yeah, yeah, just, and, and that, just in that case so we just random. mana screw them you know <laughs> and then kill all their creatures and win the game nice um but yeah, yeah, so by this paradigm, you you basically just like play a couple stone rains, and then you just kind of you can spend more mana if you spend your mana mana every turn, you know, and they're short of mana. And then the most important thing, if you stone rain them, you know, they go up to three, you go up to three, stone rain them, they go up to three, they go back up to three. They don't, they don't, they continue not to play anything. Then your opponent spent zero mana. It's right. a big deal. Uh, I don't know what four and five mana spells we were casting at the time, but I'm sure they were nasty. Lightning Dragon. Oh, that's actually like, that's super light, sick. Lightning Lightning Dragon. So they have to and pay four we, mana for that twice. <laughs> yeah, we did. <laughs> so <laughs> it's eight mana. It's eight, eight mana dragon. We also had wildfire. So like, so I'd kill your land, and you, you still had to play a third land to play something, and then play another land, do something, and then you play your fourth one, and then it's wildfire all your lands. Yeah. So we had. So so tell me again. The sauce, the cheese, and the bread. Which what what's what what's what? Sauces burn. Cheese is burn. Cheese is burn. Burn is, burn is cheesy. Oh, interesting. Red red cheese, that is burn. Okay, that's well, what we called. Burn was often referred to as cheese. I get it. I get back it. Back in the day, yeah, yeah, this was this is like a this like cross pollinates with other video games where like cheese cheese plays were, was the thing. Okay, so yeah. then what's the sauce? Sauce is the land of destruction. Uh sauce was the land of destruction. Okay, and then the bread was the the lands. A, a very a, re, a robust mana base right. filled with lots of utility lands. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. That's probably often over overlooked. Like that, there was utility lands in the mana base. I just think it's like a burn in burning land LD yeah. deck. Well, at the time, nobody played mono red that wasn't like just aggro, so it was pretty weird to play it. Randy Bueller uh, famously called Ponza um, mono red sly, only taking out a bunch of the good cards and put in putting in unplayables nice, or nice. <laughs> I concur um, do you do you feel like uh I mean nowadays we call the mono green terror deck mono green ponza some people call it ponza oath mono green ponza oath what do you feel about attaching the ponza name to decks that contain no cheese well to me like I I even thought like decks really felt like the original Ponza deck I played for a long time, and I, I've just kind of like people just call anything with land destruction Ponza, and I'm I'm cool with that. Yeah, you know, it's a fine legacy just, to have. It just it just builds my brand, you know. I gotta I gotta yeah, run yeah. with it. Yeah, that's true. Fair <laughs> enough. It's like Soul Malka. Like I um yeah. I wasn't like I didn't under like I guess I didn't know that much about Soul Malka, but I would be in like uh, aspiring spikes like Twitch chat, and somehow whenever anybody asked anything about the rock so malka was in chat like he just was there <laughs> like he has like an alert he has like an ai that's combing the internet and he'd be in chat and it's like oh yeah just ask at target player 
and freaking Sol Malko just like was always there and he's just like yeah you know she's just like you know he stays engaged you know he plays RCQs and he he tweets and you know he reply guys he's he's a he's a man of the people I love that I I can't wait to meet him one day he even plays commander games so you know he freaking played his first commander game I saw him post a picture of his like first commander game or something guess what he had on turn one it's paradise. No, a soul ring, dumbass. Come on, come on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, man, isn't there anything better than that? Like Saul on his first game of Commander had a soul ring. I had a soul ring on my first game of Commander. I had Gavin Verhey uh, swung by. He uh, Comic Con last year, so this is a year ago. He swung by New York, um, and he's friends with some mutual friends of mine. So, so I met him for the first time. Like and me. Uh, like me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, including BK. Okay. Uh, you weren't in New York, <laughs> so you couldn't hook this up. But didn't come. Yep. But uh, we were, so we just uh, set up. We had we had pizza actually. We didn't have Ponzas, but uh, Ponzarotis. But we we did have pizza, and then we uh, posted up at a uh, cafe in the West Village, and Gavin busted out the uh, Warhammer decks, the Surge Foil ones, and he just like put four deck boxes in the table, and he's like, "Okay, pick your poison," and I, was, and I was like, "I will pick the bluest looking deck box, please, and thank you." <laughs> and so, um, I like. Uh, I, I'm not like a big commander player, but I, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm not going to freaking look Gavin in the eye and just be like, Oh, stupid commander. I hate, like, I wouldn't do that. Right. I'm, I'm not impolite, like some podcast hosts that we know. Um, right. So we, we know who we're talking about. Yeah. So I'm, I'm like vibing with, um, I, I, I'll, I'll play some commander. Right. And so I like open up my hand. My hand is soaring planes, dark water catacombs. And my ca- commander is a forecasting cost commander one UWB, and I was like, "This is sick." <laughs> so I just played my commander on turn two with a filter land via soul ring, and I was like, "I see why people like this stuff." <laughs> like I was like, "This feels awesome." Um, I'm I'm building my second commander deck lifetime right now. <laughs> I was I was um I I I would. Like Commander was kind of cool because when they added it to Magic Online in like the mid two thousands, you could just like make for fun Commander decks and just buy a bunch of bulk rares for it, and um and so that those were like that was the first time I was exposed to it. it was just like early two thousands, like before you know before anything uh, before got released. Cool. Yeah, I mean you know the people who played it liked it, and I'll I'll say this now because Mike isn't here because Mike thinks Commander yeah. is like the plague. And he I, won't listen to this. And well, he's definitely <laughs> listening to this, and, and and yelling at his. He's just like on the plane to Cleveland. He's like, "Damn you, taking over my spike! Col- you call this spike colony? You guys are They're talking, talking about, about commander." commander <laughs> um, commander did one very important thing for Magic: The Gathering is that it united all casual Magic players under the same basic rule set. Um, totally. When I was, and you, and I'm sure you know about this, but like when I was like playing at at the YMCA and the playground, like there was no way for me to like align like what was going to happen with like the other kids who played magic. Like I'd like roll up. It's like, what do you want to do? It's like, let's play magic. It's like, okay, let's play magic. Like, okay. Most of the kids played horrible like decks or like whatever, but like, you know, if like, if you played burn on the playground, like you were, you were like the bad guy. Right. 
But like also if you played like Counterspell on the playground, you were like also bad. If you played Stone Rain, that you kid were... rolled in with his leather jacket and switchblade put yeah, on his yeah. red deck and was just beating everybody up. And like yeah, I mean kids were like making up rules, you know, there was like freaking mana drop. Like I don't even know how like there was like the two things that were completely insane. One was tap a land, find a land from your library. Like everyone did this somehow. And the other one was <laughs> was just permanent tatiova like play a land draw card oh and you have unlimited land drops so it was unlimited it was tatiova fast bond and everyone did this like multiple people have the same story it's just like oh yeah we had some kids and the the, the way that they played magic was like if you played a land you drew a card and then you just get to keep playing lands and it was just kind of like and then i rolled up with you know 22 lands and fireball so in the 90s all the casual magic was like was just bananas like that like no rules like before commander it was like like one format was just like play all lands every turn drop to seven on your upkeep. <laughs> yeah draw to seven like, <laughs> just like yeah. ne- necro just draw um seven play all lands that's like <laughs> and then uh, you're just done <laughs> my 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 favorite anecdote is uh sam black saying like they didn't understand like they just made up the rules to magic and they were like they all took their turns simultaneously and then like attacking players was like a negotiation because there'd be three three you know kids playing at the table it's like okay well i'm gonna attack you and you're gonna block and like whatever and so uh he was like telling the stories like so like yeah so sarah angel had the text attacking does not cause sarah angel to tap and he's like well what's the point that why does that matter (laughs) like we just take our combat phase at the same time um so I love that. So, anyways, uh, Commander United Casual Magic under the same umbrella. And um, I got another sweet. You'll like this story. This is this is the last story about like pe- people's individual rules. When I worked for Dan Bach, we were selling like tons of Locust Misers and Nat Misers. Do you know what those cards do? No, I didn't know. Well, that, I did not know there were magic cards that said Miser in the. It's just title. called Misers. Well, the Misers it had a um a an effect that would reduced your opponent's hand size. Okay. Nat Miser was like a one one for one. Ooh, I actually, one. yeah, I know and, this card. And Locust Miser was like a three drop reduced by two or something. And uh, we're like, why are people buying this card? It's terrible, right? It was like Brad for Saviors came out. And Dan comes in one day. He's like, I figured it out. <laughs> I was at Peg. I was at this other store last night. The the cash the casual store in town. And he's he's like, two people were playing. One guy goes turn one Nat Miser. And he's like, you have to discard a card. <laughs> <laughs> They were just like straight up like, oh yeah, your hand size is six now. Get- this these cards were printed in Saviors of Kamigawa, so we're talking two thousand and five, which is like that's that's I mean there was at least you know Magic the Gathering that's unbelievable to me because the amount of information <laughs> that you need to like okay this these people they're like oh sick new 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 Magic set comes out like. Um, this magic set is uh, uh pretty cool. It's like yeah, I I played the other two. Head over to my local shop, the casual shop. Those guys at Misty Mountain Games, they're a little bit too, you know, they're just a little bit too spiky for me. They're kind of they, they like playing with them isn't fun. So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna buy a booster, crack open a booster. It's like <laughs> scroll through the comments. Nat Miser, huh? One for a one one. I'm already in. This is value. What did they print? <laughs> yeah. Each each opponent's maximum hand size is reduced by one. That's a strict upgrade to my favorite card, Ravenous Rats. <laughs> Locust exactly. Miser, two, two. They're reduced by two. 
if my deck is all this, then they just never get to have any cards in their hand. And then they're like, <laughs> that's the dream. Yeah. They like head up to the counter. It's like, do you have this card? I need four of each or 10 of each. Cause my deck can just be all nap miser probably. And they're like, Oh, sorry. We're out. We don't have a bulk bin. You're going to have to head over to Misty Mountain Games. And they're like, oh, shoot. I hate going over there. They just like go over to Misty Mountain Games. And they're just like, give me all the napmizers. <laughs> give me all the napmizers. <laughs> Meanwhile, you're just sitting behind the counter, your leather jacket and switchblade, your lightning bolts, your bolting birds. <laughs> and you're just like, uh, sure, I think there's some in the box. There's some in the draft chaff that's like sitting around on tables. They're like, you're leaving this on tables? You're leaving napmizer on the table? Do you guys know how strong this card is? It's like, man, those... Those Misty Mountain guys think they're so competitive. They're just, they just leave Netmisers on the table after the draft. They're not even in their draft decks. They run home, just demolish their brother, their little brother with their Netmisers. They're just like, no what fair. What a bunch of boobs. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, so, counterpoint to this. <clears throat> One thing that is unfortunate that I think, that I think, I don't. I mean, I don't know because you you obviously have a strong opinion on this. So, what do you think? Because I think that one of the follies of uniting casual magic under the umbrella of commander and just uniting people under ca like casual magic is great. Don't get me wrong. Um, and printing. Oh, is this too political? Because you're a shop owner, I can't actually hook you on like saying something like controversial. So I'm just gonna soapbox. Um. I was, Some would call pre-modern a casual format, but go on. Um, <laughs> yeah, so this 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 ties in. So um, I was walking with friend of the podcast Jeff Ferris, and Jeff was, like, Ferris. Uh, Jeff was like, Jeff um, was like, yeah, I tried out, you know, I tried out this commander game, and I like, you know, I put my deck together, and I like get into this pod, and this guy shows up with just a hundred proxies. His entire deck was proxied, mm -hmm. and he was just like. Yeah, so I, I just didn't like that. That was like kind of annoying. And I was just like, well, it's kind of interesting because, <clears throat> you know, Wizards is just throwing all their weight behind Commander. I mean, not all their weight, but they're throwing so much weight behind Commander. And they, they throw too much weight and this whole proxy culture, this whole, you know, being cool with proxies um, stuff comes around. It's like people just, people just like don't even need to buy any, any cards. And, uh, you know, that's just kind of on them because when i mean there's a lot of things that are wrong with competitive culture but like when the vibe was like roll up to fnm and play sanctioned magic like you know you can't play proxies in sanctioned magic so it sold the cards and the cards were i mean they weren't cheap but they weren't like i don't know freaking uh i don't know mana crypt expensive like right. what was 200 dollars in the 2000 like i can't name a 200 dollar card in 2005 when Natmiser was printed. Natmiser should have been $200. Thank God they printed it at Common. But like I couldn't name $200 could have bought me a playset of Force of Wills and a playset of Underground Sea. Like, you know? Like, <clears throat> so, um, you know, I think it's interesting. And then of course like Euros and like whatever. So pre-modern is actually the same boat. It's just kind of like, well, you know, I mean, we're, we're trying to grow the for format and like whatever, but and in your store, you can sell a gold bordered card, but you can't sell a proxy. Um, and right and number one yeah yeah of course um i mean you would never sell a counterfeit obviously i mean i, mean, I don't really want to i mean counterfeits are are horrible don't counterfeit cards counterfeit counterfeits are dumb don't create counterfeits 
and call yeah, them proxies. Just... Counterfeits are bullshit. But um, but yeah, you know, like uh, like I don't know. What's your uh, I know, what's your edit? I mean, say what you. I'll give you the opportunity to say what you want, I guess, and not and not say anything that's going to get you in trouble. Well, I don't know what we get me. I'm 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 feel pretty good about my my opinions on on proxies and fake cards or whatever you want to call them. They are fake cards, and people get people who like proxies get really upset if you call them fake cards. But they're not real. They're not real cards. I don't have a problem with people playing them. Honestly, I think like most people who play proxies wish they were real cards. You know, and today's proxy player often is buying cards tomorrow. You know, they put in their deck. Um, right. So they it, they're, they're just think, trying to figure out how good Indomitable Will is before they just mm-hmm. shell out freaking I don't know eighty bucks um, on it or something. For the longest time, uh, as, as a store, it felt like I was expected to enforce a no proxy rule, um, and I guess quite possibly technically they want me to, but nowadays. Um, if it's a sanctioned event, obviously it's got to be real cards, like a tournament or something like that. But if it's not, I don't, I don't care that much. I, I won't. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna run around from game to game, make sure everybody's playing real cards. You know. Wait, um, um, but if you have like a casual, if you have Commander Night, can people bring yeah. proxies to Commander Night? Of course not. But I'm not gonna check cards. Right. Okay. Okay. <laughs> No, I, I actually seriously don't know. Because, like, here's the thing is, like, a lot of people... People do it. Yeah. Yeah, people show up. People roll in. But nobody... I don't think there's anybody in my store that just prints a deck and, and shows up to play, you know? Yeah. Um, but it'll be like, yeah... A lot of it's like, yeah, my my mana crypts my other deck. I just want to move the damn thing, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. whatever, you know, that's fine. Um, or, like, yeah, I want to get one... And my deck really needs a mana crypt, otherwise, you know. Yeah, freaking every deck survive. really needs a mana how, crypt. How am I going to survive without this mana crypt? In my deck? you literally you can't. Know? Have you, you ever? You're just. Have you, know, you ever tried to like, go drunk without power? It's you're gonna look like an idiot. Sucks. Nobody you know? listens to you. <laughs> like, um, I always try. I always play real cards. Can I proxy a time twister? I'm never gonna buy a time twister. Can I still pl- proxy a time twister? Like, come on, you're not gonna expect me to buy a time twister. Well, <laughs> it's so expensive. Personally. Since Magic 30 came out, I don't feel like protecting anything in the reserve list is really worth anybody's time. Yeah. Um, That's my opinion. Like, print them out, play them all you want. Don't make them look like real cards. Yeah. (laughs) Well, anything could be a real card nowadays. They're going to release a secret lair of tournament legal cards that are just basic lands with name sharpied on them. Well, and then, the rumor is you, you saw the play test, the, the um, yeah, the sticker the play thing. test card. Yeah, what do you? Why do you think they're doing that? You know, like you, you think they're not gonna be like, well, let's just see if th- let's just see if this reserve list card we is gonna fly. Or well, they not, didn't or do or that. Get, they just did that with counterspell, though, right? They did. They tried it out with counterspell. Oh, okay, so you're you just think, like, you think that's about... the only card they're ever gonna do that with? Yeah, huh? I mean, they're I don't think they're build... gonna do guys cradle. I guess you're right. That is technically not tournament legal. They're going to do Kaius Cradle? No, 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 no. I'm just saying, is that oh. is that what you think? I mean... Yeah, I think they're going to do cards that they can't reprint. But, see, they've already, like, they've already tiptoed around, like, technically is technically correct is the best kind of correct. Yeah. 
I mean, for a while, the, the, the loophole was just Judge Foyle, right? Yeah. Well, they actually closed that loophole even. I they think. did, but that was like, that was like why we have um, Judge Bromo. First, they, they did from the vault. People got, complained. They closed that loophole. They did Judge Foyles. People complained. They closed that loophole. Now they printed M30. People complained. They took it off. They took it offline. You know, now they're allegedly. Allegedly. No, they did. <laughs> well, they, they yeah. didn't they say they sold out or whatever? Or they just like yeah, ended they, the limited? Yeah, they did. It was like they limited did. edition. So it was like, okay, now the limit has been reached. Yep. They didn't say how big the limited edition is and they didn't say how many they sold. Okay. They, Interesting they stuff. They very abruptly took it down. Like, I don't think they. I, it, and from everything I've read, it's very, very, very. It's evident. Okay. Okay. That they, it's very evident they did not sell out. They just like decided to stop. But I can rock a gold border survival at uh, Commander Knight. That's pretty above board at this point, right? You can, de- I mean, you can definitely run it in my pre-modern night. I don't know why I would get irritated yeah, exactly. at Commander players for doing the same thing. Yeah. Well, it, yeah. Anyways, I mean, that's just like uh, it's just kind of like my my two cents, which is just kind of like you can't just like make this all about Commander because like you can't, you know, you can't, you can only go to the well so much. Like obviously, you keep people hooked, they keep buying boosters, like whatever. It's like a regular thing, but like. They also can't buy a boost, like, you know, they've got their booster budget, and then, you know, you're going to push people to the printers uh, at a certain point, but. I, I tell people I'd rather they didn't, I'd rather if, if a card is still in print, you know. Yeah, yeah. If, if they can still print a card, just use the card, you know. Like, yeah, yeah. None of them are, like, Mana Curve's the most expensive card that that's cheap, that for cheapest version of all cards, like, it's the most expensive card they can reprint. Yeah. Interesting. There's nothing. There's nothing else that they yeah, can yeah. reprint. Mana Curse. Yeah, yeah. Mana Curse the biggest yeah. one. That's worth more. Um, I mean, freaking Soul Ring could have been Mana Curse prices. Thank God. Yep. Um, Luckily, they printed it one zillion times. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they they were like, I mean, they should just. Oh man. You can still get a couple bucks for one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, right? Um. Oh well, we're a Commander Podcast. We're a freaking Johnny Colony. We're commander. Yeah. We're commander colony. Spike, Spike colony finance. Right well, yeah, here. Spike colony finance. <laughs> yeah, those force of wills, man. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, that's super interesting to me. I'm glad. I'm glad that we had this discussion because I think you know it's rare that um, store owners are necessarily in the mix. Um, uh, I just clicked. We're the bad guys. <laughs> I just clicked into. I, just, I also see pe- people who like are like really big ad proxies that are like. The, they'll, they'll say like I will never buy a real card you know like it's ridiculous to buy cards he's like and with given your attitude I would never step into your store <laughs> like, yeah. wow really you wouldn't step in my store to buy, to not buy any <laughs> any of the stuff that you would. it's just a great take I love I I laughed really hard yeah I mean it's some of them it, I mean it's a pretty classic like you know like uh, you got to play magic somewhere like you know we're like we have i mean i don't know if you guys do pay to sit but you know we pay to sit in new york i don't yeah yeah um because it's madison it's like i'm sure i'm sure it's like just it's a I little mean, bit less stressful but um I, I could but i don't my rent's not new york rent yeah yeah exactly. <laughs> <If> I, yeah <clears throat> but like yeah it's just kind of like uh yeah hey the way this works is that the commander players like we had a 1.5k right and the store rake 
for our cash 1.5k like obviously we could have worked something out if it was like store credit or whatever but the store rake for our 1.5k for us to take over the entire store like so nobody can roll through and play commander nobody can roll through and play some Lorcana games etc um was like it was low it was i mean you do the math right we probably we paid 60 uh, it was 60 dollars ahead we prized out 1.5k so there's not a lot left for judge and and store rake and um you know they were doing that as a favor to us like us pre-modern players yeah. are pretty dependent on store owners like you like bk who's like willing to obviously support the format and not worry or not worry about how much rake pre-modern is going to have um that's that's super nice of them to do that honestly when i run my events i cancel all my other events and i don't feel great about it but it's i, I also want to do a sweet pre-modern event so yeah I, like yeah it, um, it comes at a cost exactly so yeah. um so yeah uh so so there was there's a pretty low rake and and bifrost was super supportive of us and you know like we need like we need the lgs like we can't like yeah the goal is to like the best thing for us is when we're jamming pre-modern night uh you know and we're jamming next to the commander players and a commander player walks over and just like oh that's cool you guys get to play with the guys cradle too and it's like what's this format and they're just like hey that's pretty interesting like maybe maybe they don't like maybe they didn't grow up in the 90s playing magic or whatever but maybe they're down. Maybe they're down to try. Uh, maybe they're tired of um, buying new cards every week. <laughs> not that that helps the LGS. I don't know. I'm not making a good case, I guess. Um, whatever. Buy I booster packs like from BK. Uh, but yeah, if you're playing pre-modern, just be thankful that you have anywhere to play. Um, and I guess that's why we play in bars most of the time anyways. But alas. <clears throat> Makes sense. Um. Yeah, I mean, I don't know any any cool any other cool technology. There's like I'm like looking past the top six top eight, and there's like two. Oh, let's talk about pre-modern. Yeah, there's two <laughs> oath ponzas, and there's a dreadstill uh stifle nut uh landstill deck, and a madness infestation black green survival madness infestation. Uh, Here's a crazy one. Three squeeze. I don't. Okay. You don't want to talk about daddy Ale? Okay. With the last <laughs> last. Uh, we're an hour 40 in. We have 20 minutes to talk about Basic Swamp. 20 minutes on Pit Dead Gael. Go. Pidrack was in ninth place, including one of my favorite cards that people are finally starting to play. Bane of the Living. Pitrack. Bane of the Living. How do you Bane ever Lynx. have more than three lands in play in this deck? I mean, a Bane for one is pretty good against a lot of decks. Right? And also, you can flip. You can flip it for two mana. Oh, okay. Pay okay. two mana. It's Actually, I'm kind of down. I'm kind of down for three plus two because when I play against Pit Rack, twenty-two lands, four Mishas, four Wasteland, you know, whatever. They go Ritual, Bottomless Pit, Chain of Smog. You, I'm like, okay, well, I have zero cards, so I'll chain it back. And then we play the zero land game, and they have a re they take a long time to get to. Uh, extra lands so uh <clears throat> granted like i'm like a parfait like i'm a land tax gush replenish player so yeah generally speaking i don't lose to pit rack but um yeah bane of the living my immediate reaction is like uh heavy cost but man ritual bane of the living attack for four on turn two <laughs> it's great because if you pump too much mana into it it kills itself yeah that's the best part <laughs> 
I, you know what? Every time I look at a pit rack deck, I'm like, I cannot believe they they wake up in the morning and just throw 13 swamps in their deck <laughs> and expect it to to roll. You know? Can you? I mean, the it's like it's just like um, uh, that's just maniac, right? So I recently basic swamp is deck. like an abusive partner. And basic swamp players are like in an abusive relationship. They're just like, I think I can fix you. I can fix you. I just know I just need to play thirteen swamps. And I can. I just need to play four wasteland, dark ritual. I can fix why you. Why is wasteland? Why is wasteland good in this deck? Every time I look at it, I'm like, is it? Is it? Good? Well, because you strand the like four drops in their hand, and then you bottomless pit them out. Yeah, that's a or you waste you waste their mistress factory so you can get in with yours and your potato, your plague spitter. And meanwhile, you can't cast ever cast more than one spell in a turn. Yes, that's true. Only have thirteen swamps. In your yeah, turn. yeah, that's also true. Some of your well, dark ritual is doing a lot of heavy lifting here. I, I dark ritual is like four swamps. Snuff out, snuff out is a free spell. You but you do need a swamp to play. <laughs> um, so dark you can play snuff like out plus something. Dark Ritual is like a swamp that taps for two mana that you have to sacrifice right away. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like it's Crystal Vein. Yeah. Um, because it comes a land drop. But yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I, I swear to God, like these, these, these players with their basic swamps, they're just like they're just glutton for punishment. I swear to God. I mean, grats for uh, getting ninth place and um, you know, uh, top eight respectively to Dead Guy L. Um, with it doesn't get that much better. I mean, I guess it's nine swamp, four caves, three tainted field. But tainted field doesn't tap for black unless you have the first swamp. And then we won't talk about how how much of a hard time they have tapping for white. But um, Dead Guy O, another deck that I never understand why it's four wastelands. Yeah, you, you're you're I, down I, for dark I, ritual though. Um. Otherwise, no. you're just not a tempo deck, right? You just like don't do anything. You just like play fair. I don't. I'm. I'm. I've. I've been saying no dark ritual in this deck for longer than Brand's been playing pre-modern. I'll 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 just okay. I don't want to I don't want to jump on his. Look, PK, uh, his, I, I just want to ask you a very pertinent question: is, is who who says it louder? He does. Well, then I I'm let, gonna, I'm gonna always, listen to Fran then. <laughs> right, I always let people say stuff louder. Yeah, you're you're the kid at the corner of the class that like tells a joke under his breath, and the kid next to you says it out loud. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. That that happened yeah. to me once. I was in class. This was like eighth or this was like tenth grade too. We we're like watching a French film, and and they kiss on screen. I'm like, oh, they're French kissing. Kid next to me, it's like they're French kissing. Crowd goes wild. I look. Oh, this guy man. was my friend. I like looked at him. And I was like, <laughs> are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Did you just you do stole your material? Like, <laughs> like this, like right at like the gall. Yeah, anyways. How many high fives did he get? Yeah, yeah, just a hundred. Just every just single... Now. They lined up to high five him. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. Um, these decks Could are super I... fair. I mean, I don't know. Dead Guy L... I mean, four Exalted Angel is not a bad place to be, I guess. Especially if your opponent's Exalted. plan is... Uh, your opponent's plan is Savannah Lions. Although I think they lost to Savannah Lions in the top round of eight. So never mind. Um, well, I wouldn't want to play against a bunch of small creatures with this deck. I mean, they found a way, man. Like they're pretty. I mean, you're pretty much on Exalted Angel or nothing with uh with Dead Guy Ale against something like that. It seems like 
right? Because what are you? What else are you doing? You're gonna wasteland their gemstone mine. <laughs> you know, like your answers are like three three times more expensive than all their threats, and they play Mox Diamond to get a whole bunch of stuff out. Um, I mean, I guess you have Dark Ritual. You know, that's like your own Mox Diamond. Yeah. Um, but then Tuco Shade's kind of embarrassing against the Span Alliance, right? Yeah, it's like you, it's it's fine. You just gotta pay mana every turn. <laughs> blocks for block, blocks for days. That's card advantage. I mean, I don't know. I just like these black cards just aren't good, right? Dark Ritual is is one of the most powerful black cards ever printed. Like, what's the most powerful card in Magic that's black and legal and legacy and and legacy and pre modern, right? Black and like. Dress. <laughs> not I mean, dress, it's probably though. dress, right? But it probably it probably is dress. But like, you, uh, dress does not. I mean, dress does kind of ask you to be quite a black deck because you need like you need to play it on turn one. It helps to play it on turn one. <laughs> um, but like dark ritual, like as an uh, as an all timer, right? I mean, dark ritual was always broken yeah, yeah. because it's like regrowth, right? Regrowth is restricted, but that's because you regrowth targeting ancestral recall. It's like dark ritual is it was you know only ever broken. Like Dark Ritual was broken in friggin' Popper, but because of the stuff that enables. Um, but I mean, I, mean I, don't, I don't think there's zero place for Dark Ritual in pre-modern. I just like think like if you're Value Town, which that guy clearly is. Like, why are you? Maybe it's just the three gears. Your, Maybe a dead like, guy has those... Gear One, Dark Ritual, Hypnotic Specter, and then Gear Two is just your now a really bad Value deck because you have four horrible cards yeah. in your deck. Like what if it was just four more lands, right? I mean, pretty good. Yeah, I mean that's what that's what the Discord is all about. Freaking value, value, black, white control. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, we're a far cry from freaking sinkhole, like, uh, sinkhole him to Torak yeah. dead guy. I mean, like, I guess I, this is like the classic Handerlander. That's what we used to call card decks like this back in the day. Like you. It, that was almost always a really bad place to be. You don't want to be di- discard and land destruction don't work well together. Yeah. If you make them discard a bunch of cards, their lands become useless because they don't get to play them. And if you destroy a bunch of their lands, their spells become useless because they can't play them. Right. Well, so, I mean, they had doing dark confidant. Is, so <laughs> yeah, it just didn't matter to, at that point. Yeah. Yeah. And also That's him is random there. discard, right? So actually him was land destruction if you think about it. Yeah. I mean him's just a great card. <laughs> yeah. No, no, I got you. I got you. I turning the variants way up on your opponent every time. I wouldn't duress sinkhole, but I am down to him sinkhole. Um but uh yeah. I mean I don't know. Do you like these black decks? Are you are you Even, feeling like there's there's just yeah. untapped potential out of basic swamp, or do you feel like it's rightfully in last place? So a couple of weeks ago a good friend of mine wanted to play pre-modern and I asked him what he wanted to play and he sent me a pit rack deck and I'm like, I'm not going to talk yet. I'll play in pit rack because you, you probably, you're excited about this. So I yeah. just worked on pit rack a little bit and I don't know. I took out, I'm trying to remember what I left dark ritual in. I left, I left the pits and I left the racks in. I'm like, these are, these are the things I can't take out. Cause this is like the deck. Um, but I messed around with a bunch of other stuff in it, and I, I thought it was pretty playable against the stuff I was playing against. It definitely um, definitely did some work. I added, uh, I tried, like, what, what we did, we did Plague Spitter and Skittering Scourge. I think Skittering Scourge is an awesome 
awesome. I, uh, I yeah, I, I'm I'm down with Skinnering like, Scourge. Did you do a little Chimeric Idol in there and get a student? Yeah, I did. I threw I threw Chimeric Idol into the deck too. Yeah, I had I had Scourge and Idol. Ritual Chimeric Idol Skinnering Scourge. Why do we even yeah. have to play discard spells? Like, let's just let's just go. <laughs> exactly. And then, but I also took the wastelands out. Yeah, yeah. I just put in like. I, I took the wastelands out, and I think I put two um, cabal pits in, and maybe two swamps, I guess, or something. I don't know, but that seemed like better. Seemed playable. Left Mishra's in because those are great. Um. Okay. Well, shout I out took to the scroll. I took the scrolls out too. Yeah, those. Like, I don't know. Those are. I don't want to Kind of awkward. Yeah. I mean, I get that they're always live, but they're definitely awkward. Um, it, rack is a clock, you know. <laughs> it, it rack kills people. I mean, rack kills people approximately as fast as Chimeric Idol. So why not both? Yeah, yeah. I see it. <laughs> I see the vision. Um, okay, well, a uh, big maybe, I guess. Um, I am actually a super big fan of. Um, uh, he's Ubichi on uh, Magic Online. Uh, he's been playing four Negator, four Drinker of Sorrow, I think it's called. Oh, uh, wow. Online. So the eight Negator deck. That's a blast. And uh, he's been ritualing those out. And do you know what's tying the entire room together is Power Matrix. Ooh. So for those of you who don't know, Power I Matrix like one. is a four cost artifact that taps to give target creature plus one plus one flying first strike and trample and, and haste right uh i don't and there's or no isn't... way it gives haste there's no freaking way the card's actually good if it gives haste um no i don't think it does yeah yeah i think you're right um yeah first strike flying and trample so it's it's like an equipment it's like an equipment flample. you know sort of situation but it just first strike flample yeah it floats it floats all your uh negatory guys over the battlefield in for six um it hits. This was it. it this turns was the your... best card you could open in Mercadian Mass Limited. Oh, it was no the best. Doubt. It was the hands down best rare in the set. Oh yeah, I I freaking believe it's you. It's nine dollars. This card's nine dollars now. Holy yeah, you're right. MTG Finance. Um, That's I guess, bananas. I mean, snap of your power matrix is now. This card is actually sick. So, uh, he he shared the list, and that's everyone's first question. Is just like power matrix is that good? It's like. It's actually sweet because it's e it's equipment. It's equipment, right? And it's super Basically. good because it gases up. So uh, two core synergies going on. Um, he was running Sarcomancy to sacrifice to his um, drinkers. Is it Drinker of Sorrow? Drinker of Sorrow. Yeah. Yeah, Drinker of Sorrow, which is a five three. It's a mini negator. When it deals combat damage, sacrifice a permanent. It doesn't have trample. Can't block. Um, so he's sacrificing his Sarcomancy and Ravenous Rats, drink, Drinker of Sorrow. I think the Ravenous Rats I could live without. Um, and he was like powering everything about, out, out with Ritual. And I'm like, dude, you can power stuff out with Ritual. You can also power all this stuff out with Ancient Tomb. Power ma Matrix is four colorless. Negator, Drinker of Sorrow is two and a black. Like mm -hmm. with four Ritual and four Ancient Tomb, you can actually cast all this stuff ahead of schedule pretty uh, consistently. Yeah. Uh, and if you're casting stuff ahead of schedule, then all of a sudden I am interested in uh you know wastelands and whatever this deck also uh makes good use of factory so uh talking about the basic swamp deck that i'm the most hyped about it it has to be uh ubichi steven uh uh 
8 negator. Uh, obviously, it's a mono black deck, so every time I've played him, I just put um, Opalescence and Parallax Wave in play, and he can't do anything about it. But. He um, doesn't make you discard him. Uh, well, <laughs> we know how all that works. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, so uh, super sick deck. Um, I, I noticed greater than. So he was playing it, and then. Does he um, play Unearth? Unearth is sick, dude. Unearth is actually underrated. Unearth should yeah, be like I think, an Avadi I think deck. Unearth is the key to Dark Ritual in these decks. Oh, I Because like, if you just have enough three drops that you ritual out, and then they kill them, and then you get to, like, it's basically another Dark Ritual because, creature, yeah, yeah, you know? Yeah. Only it's only one card, and you still save the two mana. Yeah, and you're kind know. of a super good... I mean, as long as you don't... If you're not dependent on BB1 out of Hypnotic Specter, then then your Wastelands or Rishon and Port, like, whatever, and then they actually start making sense. So, um... Also, yeah. these black decks should just play for negator, man. Like, I think, I, I think. Oh, I love it. I he's love correct that because, because let's face it, swamp players. We real talk. You're all gonna lose to the mountains anyway. Yeah, like you're <laughs> never beating that red deck, even if you don't. Pl- if you don't play the negator, red deck's still gonna run you over. Like, there's nothing you can do about it. So you just like suck it up. Bring in some bottle gnomes for game two and three. And, uh, <laughs> bottle gnomes. Ritual bottle gnomes. Go. Ritual bottle gnomes. Nice jackal pup. Oh my god. <laughs> Proceed. Oh, bolt it? Oh, game three. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um okay, well that's sick. I actually like where this is going. Um I don't know about I don't know about Hunt. Sorry. I don't know about Thrashing Wumpus though, but I'm down for Thrashing Wumpus is a banger. That guy is amazing. Uh, how did you do with that deck? Terrible. Okay. But that wasn't Thrashing Wumpus's fault. That was more the rest of the deck. Thrashing Wumpus is a deceptively more more powerful card than it looks. Because, yes, it can be bolted, right? It's a 3-3 three, three for, for 5. But think about, like, goblins and elves and how they can't ever do anything. I like it better than Plague Spitter. I like it way better than Plague Spitter, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Because Plague Spitter doesn't even really catch goblins for the most part, and then elves, like, you know. Against decks that can't, that it doesn't do anything against, it still, like, hits for five five to seven every turn. Yeah. Because you can, like, it and then, attack, and then you get a blaze. Twice, yeah. And then activate twice on their turn. And then you can, yeah, you just expel them out later. Yeah. He's, like, honestly a pretty fast clock. Like, like, when it was in standard, it was, like, a constant overperformer. Okay. Okay, I'm, I'm so... You're going back to the abusive partner. You're just like basic swamp. I haven't. I'm not giving up on you. I, I still think I can fix you. I want to make all to... the cards work. <laughs> yeah. That's just like that's just my magic DNA. Yeah. <laughs> Is trying to get trying to prove viability. Yeah, it's tough, um, man. You said it yourself. I, you were like, you're like in our in our Discord and you're like, you you guys must think I'm shit. It's like I've got <laughs> I have a higher purpose to serve. Freaking pre modern <laughs> grinders, you're out here maximizing your win rates, trying to get plus EV on your cash tournaments. I'm in the lab. Oh. I'm thrashing my Wumpus. I'm exactly. Uh, I'm uh, pit racking with Chimeric Idol. Um, you make me sound pretty cool. I'm, I'm, that's, I mean, you're the guest. You're the guest. How rude would it be if I was just like, well, you're right. Actually, you do well, suck. <laughs> I mean, what's what's the end goal of becoming the best pre-modern player in the world? Freaking yeah. brags, dude. Sick brags. Yeah. I mean, you. I mean, I know you. Since you're not, since you're not the best pre-modern player in the world, I'm just gonna explain to you. One time, I saw Rich Shea 
at a social function and he just unloaded that one on the crowd and they just dropped to their knees and 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 wept oh, wow. for they for wow. they were in the presence of the master <laughs> no i mean like I, i'm never gonna be better than rich like rich is so unbelievable like i i'm actually down to just give up and brew bad decks because like i like what's the point like he's just better than you like he just is like rich play rich is better than you playing bad at, at playing bad decks like he's making like i don't know i would have never gotten half as far as he did playing freaking gush scroll rack guy's blessing arm again like the his deck has no card advantage it's just gush and sylvan library or what it doesn't make any sense like oath oath is a new one yeah, yeah it's a new, new one i just i just don't even know i feel like if the deck list is face up you're it seems I don't know. Yeah, I was like, how are people using it? Yeah, like, he hasn't just... made it very far in elimination rounds, right? Yeah, that's true. Because because the deck I feel, list I feel is like face if up. you don't know what's going on, it's a little different in yeah. that with that kind of deck. I don't know. It's I, possible, I, I, but I'm he's still honing. I mean, he's still making it better though. Yeah, yeah, and more power to him. I love it. I love, I love brewing with Rich, and I love talking to Rich about his brews. And I think yeah, it's actually kind of a shame that like we don't have like camera matches going on all the time like with Rich. Because, like, I mean, I don't know. It's just, it's just special, you know. I that's that's Rich, why I want. That's Rich why I'm. Play, Rich will play a camera match with anybody anytime. That is a that is Rich's. Rich is in pre modern online play almost daily. Yeah, looking so, for game. So that's nice. But I'm talking like I'm talking like you know with the pressure on you know. Oh yeah. Because yeah. like I think that like this. Okay, you asked a question. Why 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 do you want to be? the best pre-modern player because i want to i want to be like rich like when i watch him play it like it's inspiring like it makes me feel like you know it makes me feel like i've i'm learning stuff like i'm 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 improving like watching him improves my mindset because like one of the okay so actually man i love this topic because this is actually getting pretty deep two hours in we always get to the good stuff two hours in so like one of the big questions is like why play pre-modern right there's like no stakes. There's like why take it competitive? Like why are you playing this casual format yeah. competitively? Um like I don't gain like the intellectual stimulation from most contemporary formats. Like contemporary limited is a different thing and limit is kind of a different beast. But like I used to play modern and I brewed a couple of interesting and fun modern decks and those kind of could wedge in and kind of compete and like whatever. And, uh, you know, and I know that people still brew in modern, like, you know, look at aspiring spike or whatever, but like just the way that the games play out, like the learning experience, it just feels different. Like to me, I feel like pre-modern improves your like fundamental understanding of how like magic, the gathering works. And like, if you just like play a game and like get, fable of the mirror Grakerd, or like i mean you can learn a lot playing standard and you like play this like grindy mid-range mirror and you're just like learning about value and like whatever but it's like value with these like giant haymakers like you're just like i draw five cards and wrath and or like planeswalker uptick you know this this thing and you're like i'm return my archangel of wrath and put five three threes onto the battlefield after you like I mean, it was sick, like the freaking black green uh, in worlds. It was black green um, mid range. It was just freaking the rock and standard versus Reed Duke's like domain ramp ramp deck. And it was like classic, right? It was like 
the rock has to take an a, as aggressive and disruptive of a stance as possible against domain or domain just like runs it runs it out and ramps it out but then sometimes they lose to their mana because they don't hit the seventh man anyways that stuff's all interesting but it's very very hard to like play a match of magic and like leave like leave feeling like you've improved or you're gonna like try something different or you're gonna like you're gonna learn and then it's also just very satisfying to learn and apply so like when yeah. i'm like oh now i know how to play this matchup so i've talked about yeah. this a couple of times in the cast but like the replenish versus blue red tinker matchup was super interesting and i play tested it and i tried like four different sideboard strategies until i found the sideboard strategy that worked um and like that's just super gratifying to just be like okay like i'm gonna play this matchup you know the pieces are predictable the gameplay yeah. is balanced like i'm not gonna get blown out we're both like so whoever brings the best strategy wins and rich brings the best strategy to every match of magic he plays and when he showcases that you know he's facing against very powerful resistance he he's giving his best resistance like i watch that and i'm just like i'm blown away i'm just like this is like this is just so fun like this is like fun it's engaging um and you do have to you know you can't be like brewing you can't just be like stumbling over your deck having weird cards in those scenarios like you know you really need both players to play you know relatively strong decks you know in that match like you watch tom against rich um you know it's like the same thing both players are just like are, are playing their hearts out and and you gain some like the mark like the stupid elves game like we talked at length about this elves game like i want to show people how to beat burn with elves and i want to show people how to beat elves with burn you know like i i want you know, you know why i want to yeah. be the best i want to play a deck that pablo suarez thinks that he never loses to and i want to beat him the same thing with rich rich is just like out here is like oh you know i never lose to the rock you know, freaking beat him with rock. Imagine yeah, how. Yeah, I want to beat him with the rock so bad. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. I want to beat him with Mox Diamond so bad. Right. I want to beat him with Korean Dryad so bad. So like, that's what's motivating me. It's just kind of like yeah. it's just like the ultimate. Like it's just so engaging. If I would have shot called you at all for this or for the fall brawl, it would have been playing. I was. I was. I thought about playing my my living wish rock deck because <laughs> why would that be embarrassing? <laughs> you know like i would probably i, I was just going to try to lay a beat more than what it was more like let's turn let's 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 beat him with something that he does not think he can lose to you yeah know? you're just gonna like living but, living wish for withered wretch which like i've said a hundred times like withered wretch is just such an embarrassing card and then right it's a victory that was oh, yeah, the plan i, I think yep. he might have been dead before that uh before that withered wretch hit the table well, with with open. your freaking draws man like <laughs> turn three <laughs> true true go off every game uh, but yeah i mean that's you know that's why i want to be the best because it's just like i mean it's just like so i mean like look at mike yeah. it is a format where it's more like the players playing the cards rather than the cards playing you know just we're just presenting powerful like the cards kind of play themselves yeah to an extent in, yeah in i mean you get into a sub game right like yeah. you do I mean, get into it is very challenging to play modern magic yeah i'm not gonna say it's not but like the 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 swings are pretty extreme yeah 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 i mean reed duke um you know amazing player and and it's the same thing but you know it's it's kind of cool having our small pond like i'm just not a player who would be i mean if in contemporary magic i wouldn't have a podcast i wouldn't be in a, a streamed showcase you know i wouldn't like i wouldn't anything i would just be like you know 
Mr. Mr. Like scary FNM guy, you know, I'd be a Mr. Three O at FNM and like, uh, you know, uh, I mean, you could, you'd get, you, you would get, uh, regional qualifiers and stuff. Like, yeah. Yeah. I think, but, but I, I wouldn't think be you like probably hit the pro tour. With I, yeah, with I mean, with some dedication, obviously. But if you put the work in that you put into pre-modern into like regular magic, you would succeed. Oh, I appreciate that. I mean, I, I feel that too because I think that it pays off. But maybe it doesn't. I mean, part of the reason I put the work in I do is because every ounce of like commitment that I have to pre-modern, I just get paid back for. Like, I just like, I don't know. It's just like sweet, you know. And, and like, it's yeah. it's the sandbox. Like, you know, I added a couple lands to my replenish deck. I added Mox Diamond to replenish deck. It's like immediately. Like, I'm just, like, doing these things, and, like, I'm just getting immediate positive feedback. I mean, it's kind of slow, because it takes yeah. a while to find a match and whatever, but, like... Um, I gotta put some pre-modern ducks in Reed Duke's hands when he's in town for CubeCon. Oh, I mean, absolutely. I so I bet he'd totally dig it. So, I think he's... I think he would... Gonna, I, he'd love I already it told myself I'm gonna try not to push pre-modern too much at CubeCon, but, like, I don't know. Dom Harvey's like, hey, I'm getting a day early, do you want to... Some yeah, games. yeah. Like, <laughs> well, he's already hooked. he's already in because he was going to yeah, go. Yeah, he's already in, but he, he was more like hey, he's going to be pre-modern. Like he literally. Well, Reduke me. Reduke rolls rolls around for a Monday Night Legacy here, and uh, I'm like begging, like you know, Jeff Ferris and Roland and the guys to like just like throw down some pre-modern in between in between rounds of the read. So um, he loves Value Town decks so much that like I I, I can't imagine him not like enjoying playing the format. Yeah, there's so no much doubt. to it. Just like just give him the rock. It's like give him an underpowered deck, he'd he'd make it sing. Read Duke on the Rock versus Rich on Parfait. Go. Uh, <laughs> it's it's gonna be Reed. It's gonna be Reed a hundred percent because Rock is already favored, like on balance. Um, and yeah. even even though Rich made really great adjustments and he he made really good and smart adjustments and and he he, uh, he played spectacularly and got and got a good amount of luck. But uh, Rock's fair. I think what would be more interesting is give Reed Dead Guy L or like I don't know <laughs> a deck that doesn't contain Pernicious Deed, right? Because like you have to imagine like oh oh man, let's just no, showcase I think this. If Rich knows he's going against a Rock and optimizes the deck, the ex the, the three or four he tweaks the three or four cards. No 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 no. PSS be better list. Against PSS list. What? Yeah. PSS list. Uh, I don't know. Yeah yeah. Mm-hmm. We're giving we're giving Reed uh, PSS uh, Matelski's Rock and and Rich gets to play it. I'll pay money for that. I'll, I'm. I mean, I I got, I got recently <laughs> laid on, off. Live on pay per view. Yeah. I mean, no, no. I'd be. I'd play money for Reed's appearance fee. I don't have a job, and I'd pay big money for that. No, that's, that's what I'm saying. I got first. laid off. Yeah. <laughs> um. So. Uh. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. That's sick. We'll, we'll. We'll. We'll hook him. I mean, like you know, just we'll just like LSV would be a, a great get, but I don't know too many players in Denver. So. Uh. And he's very competitive. Like he's mentioned. Connor, I guess Connor Rabbit Brown's out there. Okay. There's, I mean, they're starting. They're trying to start up a scene in Colorado. I know that. Okay. I mean, if they do it and they can make the they can make the tournament sweaty enough for LSV, I'm sure. I'm sure he would. I'm sure you'd be interesting to come through because he's been saying that he loves like the deck picks and whatever. So yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, man, two hours and seven minutes. Uh, you were a worthy guest host. Um, I don't know. Michael J <sighs> might still be in Cleveland uh, next week. How so many mox diamonds do you think he's found so far? Can we let's text him. <laughs> we'll, we'll get a, a live Mox Diamond report. I'll let my cat in to eat some food. He would have posted. He would have. He would have. He would have. He would have taken a photo right away. Yeah, yeah. That's right. That's right. Um, 
we'll we'll have to have him right into uh right into the hosts um but yeah uh bk it's been a pleasure um shout out to missy mountain games i don't know if you want to plug any coolness um uh cubecon happened at the end of october or weekend of the 21st is gonna be awesome so uh there'll be lots of great coverage on it and it's it's like it's the it's the limited of pre-modern honestly like it's like cube is such a great pre-modern of limited the pre-modern limited, yeah. I'm, I, I one mean, of those. Cube, yeah, cube freaking rules. I, I, yeah. I absolutely agree. Yeah, and um, it looked like it was an insane blast. Um, I guess if you don't know this already, they have an app that that sets your pods up. You can do rank choice voting on the cubes that you want to play. Um, and yeah. uh, Jeff, you, you should come. I, you're just, unemployed. Just oh yeah, just yeah. I, I need you a, got time to burn. I don't even just have PTO on. anymore. I don't have PTO anymore, VK. Um Well yeah, you don't have to take off for anything either. You just like you just the world is your oyster. You could just run out and play cube conventions. Yeah, I mean freaking old border foil cube. Like I'm gonna be salivating over that. But um yeah. it's the weekend of the twenty first. Hoip has a has a pre modern cube there too. Oh, I actually believe this or not. I have like assembled, no interest in pre-modern cube. <laughs> like I have no good memories of playing I, limited. I've assembled card for card the MTGO vintage cube. Oh, I mean that's it. sick. Yeah, yeah. And that's like I'm. Which is like the best cube that's been done. It's it like is. So it is. Yeah, it is a great cube. Um, I mean, look, you don't like it. Yeah, you know, it's just a wife point situation. Like you know, uh, um, okay. like it's uh, I'll. I mean, you should be able to earn so many life points being unemployed. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's generally how it goes. Um no, I mean I I I hope to make it out. It probably won't be this year, but it'll be eventually. Uh-huh. I mean, I don't know. What would you rather have me at? The freaking Midwest pre modern champs or KubeCon? Uh pre-modern, pre-modern champs. champs. Yeah, obviously yeah. pre modern champs. Like I'm not gonna go to Madison twice in one year. I'm not gonna go to Madison twice in in five years, honestly. I mean I hope I go twice in five years, but like, you know. Uh it's a it's a harder sell than Boston. Like if LobsterCon was in San Francisco, it's like there's like I probably wouldn't go. So it's kind of yeah. tough. Um, but uh, you know, even Eternal Weekend Pittsburgh, like I'm not driving six hours. I'm flying. And if I'm flying, then big yikes. But yeah. uh, you know, one of these days, I mean, flights to Madison are super cheap for me. So all right, they, are? Uh, they, they don't look bad. Um, oh, okay. New York to Madison. Everybody always complains about flying to Madison. Uh, I mean. I, I mean I guess I normally play, pay five hundred bucks to freaking fly anywhere because of um because my family lives on the the uh whatever but like yeah if that's I good. book in advance it's like two hundred bucks I don't know if that's Spirit though is it Spirit Let's see <laughs> uh no United two hundred dollars round trip no carry on you want to carry on that'll be twenty five bucks thirty bucks but that's that's totally fine I mean it's no Nashville. Cost like a hundred bucks to fly to Nashville from New York. That freaking rules. Oh man, you should have went to their their. No, I dude, I, the their pre modern thing. I wanted to so bad, but we were like just I, in Nashville. Like I don't, I don't even have to use wife points on Nashville because like we love hanging out there. So, you, well, if you love Nashville, you'd love Madison too. You should just come out. And you don't have. Here. Do you have raging bachelor parties in Madison downtown? No, I'm just kidding. That's not the reason. Is that why what you I do? Like you go to you go to Nashville and 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 crash bachelorette parties. No, but it That's... it is mind blowing how crazy the bachelorette <laughs> scene is there. Like I I don't I don't understand it. No, I, I hang out with my cool like coffee shop friends. I used to work in the coffee industry, so I hang out with them and do like cool you know whatever. 
there's like that cool dive bar like you eat the food you just like hang out like we got a airbnb with a pool it was just like the perfect like minor getaway uh, but i'm down i mean madison in the in the summer i know is beautiful and you get to see flint sometimes because he he goes out to most of them um yeah so too late for our event though yeah 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 well that was incidental <laughs> fran but... fran had a bl- fran enjoyed madison more than nyc oh but that's i, I mean that's just because <laughs> new york's manhattan freaking blows and then it's like you have to. There like, was also like an, there was like an air emergency. Yeah, yeah. If you want to, if you want to come hang in New York City, you just hang out with, uh, you know, our crew that's in, like in Brooklyn and just stay in Brooklyn. But uh, yeah, I, I still have to battle, uh, you know, battle Sam Black. It's like big goal of mine. Like I won't I did win, have my best but me- I had my best meal in Brooklyn when I was in New York. Yeah, Laser Wolf. Laser freaking, Wolf. Freaking shout out to Laser Wolf. I'll shout out to Laser Wolf. All right, good shout out. <laughs> this has been Spy Colony Seventeen. That episode, this episode was a banger. I love this. I love this conversation. It was great having you on, BK. We're we're just gonna have to do this again, and then we'll have to do it with with Mike too. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. Don't tell him I'm coming though. Just I'll just oh, just in. just like just yeah, spring it on him. Surprise, mystery guest shows up on the whereby room, and he's like, "What? What the fuck?" I'm like, "Well, actually, BK. Mike, you're our guest, and BK's the new co-host." I love the Landy Ho episode too. He was great. Oh, I, yeah, Land just freaking rules. Um, anyways, uh, I'm sure we could talk for more hours. Um, yeah, I don't know if Mike's still in Cleveland. Maybe we'll 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 see you again next week, um, and hopefully with uh, some other cast cast joining us. But until then, love Spike Colony. Love Mike. Love love, love Spike Colony. <laughs>